This episode of Video Game Apocalypse is brought to you by Casper Premium Mattresses. And you listeners can get $50 towards any new mattress by going to caspertrial.com slash lasertime. And welcome to episode 299 of Video Game Apocalypse, our penultimate episode before episode 300. I am your host, Michael Raparez. Who else is here in the ethereal Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio of the Airwaves with me? 300 hamburger strong, Chris Antista. And Tank Controls Apologist, Matthew Allen. And that's it. It's kind of a big week, right? We've got stuff coming out at, toward the end that none of us have played. Not for me. Like, I actually, um, I forget what happened. I couldn't sleep, so I just, for two nights straight, so I just focused on beating Red Dead. Ooh. Nice. And it's like, I, I'm now, like, just completing little bits and pieces of other games as I await Kingdom Hearts. Uh, because I don't want to get yeah, anything big started. I, I feel like we're on the precipice of a big thing, mm-hmm. and not not just our episode three hundred, woohoo! But yeah, also, yeah. there you know, Kingdom Hearts is coming. But there there are some there are some big releases, certainly yeah. at least one long awaited release this week. Mm-hmm. And also, we we had the uh, Resident Evil Two one shot demo uh, over the past weekend, which. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play it. I have, and I have thoughts, which we'll go into in the new releases, maybe. Prasternating. You only get one shot. That's true. Do not miss your chance to flow. This opportunity <laughs> comes once in a lifetime. You better. What's that from? Hack that demo. That's, that's, uh, that that's an Eminem song. Oh, Eminem. Showing how lame I am. Uh, not getting 20-year-old music. Although references. I hear about that demo, you do get more than one shot. <laughs> you can yeah. very easily work your way around yeah, that. Yeah, but, but you have a half hour to play it, supposedly. Yes. In the meantime, our top five this week is something that I thought might be fun. Looking at a bunch of games that like have multiple protagonists over the course of the series. They swap out the old one for a new one, and it's always kind of fun on rare occasions when the new ones cross paths with the old ones. They have a bit of a moment. Sometimes it's a cameo. Sometimes it's something much deeper. Well, episode 255, Antagonistic Protagonists, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't the premise there when you encounter an old protagonist who has become the bad guy in, in, a, in a game? I feel like that him. was an older one, Stalin Badman. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> where uh, we talked about, for example, Alex Mercer in the first prototype becoming the villain in Prototype 2. These will be similar, but none of these are really the villains. They are antagonistic in some cases. They don't get along in others. This category, I almost call it's like it's like cock tease the episode for me for many of these <laughs> because it's like, oh, that guy I really loved and fell in love with playing, uh-huh. and I don't get to play as him. Fuck uh-huh. you, game. Yeah. Oh, and now he's gone. And huh. yeah, yeah, that was nice to yeah. see him. Uh-huh. Thanks for that. Thanks very for fucking briefly, nothing. Very briefly. Yeah, they're not going to join forces and fight dinosaurs. Some all the time. Sometimes they do. Sure. Yeah. In one of these examples, they do. Maybe I guess. yours didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of these top five, they, it was so weird. They joined forces with me, and we yeah. fought dinosaurs. Yeah, I don't know what it was happened. The weirdest fucking thing. It's so what a coincidence. <laughs> anyway, we'll get into those right after this. It's 2019, people, and you should resolve to sleep better. Yes, you spend a third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfy. 
That's why we're sponsored today by Casper Mattress, the ultra-comfy, hyper-affordable, hassle-free mattress. And you will not believe how little they cost and how easy it is to ship to you for free. Better still, you can get $50 towards any new mattress by visiting caspertrial.com slash laser time. Rest assured, seriously, uh, the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a, quality, make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Plus, Casper offers affordable prices because Casper cuts out those middlemen and sells directly to you. Big box stores are going to want to sell you a mattress for thousands of dollars, but Casper starts at much less, around $500. they are offering two mattresses right now, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body, whereas the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that won't keep you up at night. There's a reason Casper is the internet's favorite mattress, because you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free trial. Sleep on it for 100 nights. Don't like it? They'll come get it, dispose of it, give you a full refund as if it never happened. And yes, shipping and returns are free to U.S. and Canada. So once again, to get $50 towards any new mattress, visit caspertrial.com slash laser time. And we're back to talk about what? How do you neatly summarize this? I don't know. Uh, former protagonists, you meet again. Yes. So we meet again. We meet again for the first time. That actually sounded pretty spot on to me. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's just jump right in with... Number five! Do you, tiny, puny, expendable little mortal, actually think you can convince me to leave? Because that's crazy! This is a little bit of a controversial one, which is why it's our number five, but it's still... A fun moment. Do you know what this is? Because I told you what it was earlier. <laughs> it's got to be, um, I'm thinking, a bit of Fry and Laurie. Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie's television show from the BBC 30 years ago. Wow, that is a hell of a guess, but completely wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Um, from that sound clip alone, I couldn't have gotten it. But yes, I. This is that was the... That was... Well, maybe he wasn't at the time. Yeah. That's Shea Gorath. Mm-hmm. Uh, from... We should we should preface this with a big spoiler warning yes. for Oblivion. Yes. yes. Um, less so for Skyrim. We will be talking about a mission in Skyrim, but this will spoil the ending of not Oblivion itself, but the Shivering Isles. So cool. skip ahead to around the ten minute mark if you if you don't want to hear that. What? But- that's like an 11 year old game at this point yeah something like that yeah. but you you never know you never know it's like, I, it's like an 11 year old dlc from a game not even spoiling the game itself this one takes a little bit of explaining <laughs> this we're assuming you're past the spoiler warning you either know this already or you don't care the end of the shivering isles shivering isles is you're transported to this realm of the daedric realm of madness mm-hmm. and you have to solve a bunch of problems for Shiagorath, whose realm is about to be pounded flat by Jigalag, the daedric prince of order and is this, is this is this wait is this elder scrolls or rick and morty this is elder scrolls and <laughs> rick and morty yes this was the elder scrolls dlc pack that was sort of like it looked like Morrowind. Let's be honest; like it, it kind of reminded a me a lot of than Morrowind. Morrowind. Yes, but you know, it was it was it was a big expansion to. This is for Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls for Oblivion, right? Yes. It, it was yes. their, the first big, the first real big expansion, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. This was after the you know, one of the one of the things was horse armor, horse armor, and then you got the wizard's tower, knights house. of the nine, yeah, yeah the yeah. orrery, I think was one. Yeah. Yes. But uh, yeah, so Shia Gorath is the lord of this place and he makes you like one of his nobles, I think. You you have to kill one of them to take their place. At the end of the DLC, again, big spoiler warning, it's revealed to you that this Jigalag guy that he talks about 
is him. Yeah. That he is actually Jigalag, the Daedric Prince of Order, who is under a curse that he has to spend most of his time as the Daedric Prince of Madness, and every so often the curse starts to wear off, and he brings his armies in to smash the, the Realm of Madness, but he's doomed to just turn back into Sheagorath and rebuild it all again. But you are able to break this cycle, and as a reward, you are turned into Sheagorath. I will take my leave, and you will remain here, mortal. Mortal, king, god, it seems uncertain. This realm is yours. Perhaps you will grow to your station. Fare thee well, Sheagorath. Prince of Madness. And Che who is the Mad God. He's he's uh-huh. known as the Mad God. Yes. And so yeah, was was he only known as that because of Jigalag? Or was he all is he always the Mad God? Is oh, it, he's always the mad he's the personification of madness. So it's reward in quotes because eventually yeah. it's kind of saying you will become mad now that you yeah, are this Well guy. you will become madness itself. Yeah. And yeah. uh so there there is a debate amongst fans. Uh some of them reject the idea that the Sheagorath that you meet in a mission in Skyrim is, in fact, the protagonist from Oblivion. Right. The champion of Cyrodiil. Because, and, and usually they reject it on the basis of, like, but I'm a good guy, I wouldn't become Sheagorath. It's like, well, yeah. it's... And, and then there's also an argument that, like, well, that, you know, sometimes mortals have become, like, Daedric princes, demigods, gods, whatever, and the reason that he looks the way he does, like Sheogorath did in that game, was because, like, the more he acts like him, the more he becomes him until he starts to physically resemble him. I mean, can't you just tell yourself if you didn't pay for Shivering Isles, it's not you anyway? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. But really what this stems from is the developers wanted to have Sheogorath in the game, clearly, and they also... I mean, who wouldn't? He's a, he's yeah. a green tentacle monster who beats up Capcom characters. That's... Huh. You got to you got to make him say his name backwards to get yeah. rid of him, right? Yeah, he actually has more in common with uh, Mitsupiklik than Shumagorath. He's he's just a, a little old man wearing a uh, like a tunic that's half purple and half orange. He he sort of looks like Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God what? for giving me a reference I could. Which is which is the one where he's two faced? Is that Forever? <laughs> yeah, or is that it's, it's Forever? But uh, yeah, the, the the callback is just sort of a fun little Easter egg that they threw in, and it stems from this dialogue right here. You are the best septum that's ever ruled. Well, except for that Martin fella. But he turned into a dragon god, and that's hardly sporting. You know, I was there for that whole sordid affair. Marvelous time! Butterflies, blood, a fox, a severed head, <laughs> and the cheese! to die for. The fox is uh, generally taken as a reference to the Grey Fox, which is another cursed guy whose mantle you take up if you do the Thieves Guild quest. Like, ah. you get the Grey Fox's cowl, which can turn you basically invisible and boost all your stats, and I wore it through the entire game. Um... <laughs> You know, he, he called us a great septum. I always thought of myself more as a deviated septum in that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, well, Sept- septum oh. is the name of the, the family of emperors. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> talking, talking to uh, Pelagius the Mad, whose mind you go into at one point. In, uh, Don't in step Skyrim. on my terrible pun. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You didn't leave room for him to, to make a Mitch Pelagius reference. Uh. <laughs> I just felt like it could do with some elaboration. Um, but yeah, the, the cheese is 
probably a reference to everyone's habit of keeping infinite cheese wheels in their inventory and then rolling them down hills because that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Or a modern day reference to our cheese surplus. Did you, a, did you read about that? Yes, yeah. we did. Surplus. We can wrap it around the Capitol building. Finally. I can't wait for this to happen. <laughs> anyway. Here he is, Stan. Before Shea Gorath himself, Daedric Prince of Madness. And all you deem fit to do is deliver a message? How sad. And then he makes you do a bunch of uh, challenges right out of Psychonauts. He gives you a magic stick called the Wabajack. And you have to find your way out by doing a bunch of challenges like... Helping Pelagius's confidence stand against his anger, and his confidence is represented by a tiny little man, and his anger is a giant huge man who keeps trying to beat up the, on the confidence, so you have to keep them separate, and a bunch, bunch of weird, semi-symbolic things like that, and uh, finally lets you go. It's not at all as straightforward, or quite as legendary as this next one. Number four. Uh, what the fuck? This, it has to be like a PSP game or something. Well, you're close. It's a PS1 game. Not a lot of great sound on this, unfortunately, because this is a this is a series that I'm I'm convinced the first two games were originally developed for like the Super Famicom CD back when that was a thing, and then turned into PlayStation One games. Instead, any guesses as to what this might be? Uh, Dave Rudner, no. he would know. Mm-hmm. This is. So, you like Suikoden? <laughs> Suikoden <laughs> 2. So, the the protagonists of Suikoden 1 and 2 can meet, and you can recruit the first game's protagonist into your party. However, there's a bunch of shit you need to do for this to happen. You need to have a save just before the last boss of the first game, and for best results, recruit every single character, 108 of them, in the first game, and have that save file on your card when you're playing 2, oh, and then at a certain point in Suikoden 2, you will have the opportunity to go to this village and find McDole, who's... McDole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a, yeah. a bad... That's a, the, the chief from, like, mm-hmm. a 70s cop yeah. show. <laughs> well, like, the, the your first... your badge and shield on the table right now, McDole. <laughs> the first game... way out of line. <laughs> The first game's hero is named uh, McDole. His first name is whatever you want to name him. Canonically, I think it's Bob. Tier. Bob McDole. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob McDole. McDole which would Bob show up McDole. as Bickdole in uh, the sequel because for whatever reason, it doesn't just call him McDole, but it changes that M to whatever the first letter of his first name was that you gave him. If if you called him uh, Richard, it's Rickdole. Yeah. yeah. You know the biggest hoop Holy of all shit. to get that that character? You had to play Sui Coden. Yeah. <laughs> one or game. two. You had to find and know about and then play these games. But that's a huge I can't imagine they I can't imagine they built the first game with that in mind. It was just kind of nice that they could read the date of the old one and they were both PS1 games. Mm-hmm. But that's a huge not only is it a huge commitment, it, it just seems like something most other game makers would put in like DLC or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You wouldn't hide the original protagonist from the previous game and make it be like the, the thing you can see if you platinum the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. I do like it. Yeah, it is. And it's it's from an era when, yeah, these things were hidden as cheats instead of DLC before they realized, like, we can use this as a major selling point and make a bunch of money. Yes, but it's almost as if JRPGs I don't mean, yeah, respect 2019 our time. when I'm hearing about it for the first time. Mm. <laughs> yes, true. 
Yeah, and uh, but is he good? Is he at least a good character when you oh, get yeah, him? Does he's he super good. He has he has the uh, the Soul Eater rune, which can do all these badass like Grim Reaper attacks, and he also has this this great moment when you meet him. If you have any recruited characters from Sui Code in one, they'll like come out and say like, "Oh my God, you're still alive! Oh, it's so nice. It's been so long. It's so good to see you." Oh, that's that's the other thing. In recruiting all the characters, you will resurrect a key character who dies. And that character is also recruited along with the first game's protagonist in Suikoden 2. Aerith? Uh, well, it's close. <laughs> it's Gremio, your your manservant. <laughs> of course. It's me, Gremio. <laughs> it's Gremio. It's that, Gremio. It's very close to Aerith. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's close in that like they have this very close bond that Gremio's kind of... Uh, he, he's... He's basically uh, the hero's surrogate father, having raised him all his life, and yeah. then he, he gives his life to save him. So it's it's a very sad moment oh, in the, the the annals of thirty two bit gaming. Um, so it's it's cool that he comes back, and it's cool that both of them come back in Suikoden two. And it really is like it sounds like a huge commitment. I tried to do it. I went back and I played through uh, Suikoden one a couple years ago. Got the perfect ending. And then was well on my way, and it's, it's not that long, really. It's maybe huh? no, it's maybe Ballpark for a JRPG, it's probably like twenty hours to do huh. all that. Oh, all right. um, but then like went back and was playing so you couldn't too, and put it aside for a while, and then my PS3's hard drive failed, and so I lost it all. And if I ever want to do it, I'm going to have to start from scratch. And someone this, this the PS3, I'd like to point out, remains. My only failed system, with the exception of my PS4, which Michael and I modded with this behemoth of a hard drive thing, yeah, so sorry. we're sort of on the hook for that. <laughs> Can't say the same. I got three red rings of death with my Xbox 360. I only got yeah, one. I, I, never, I never got one. It's just the disk drive kept popping open and giving me an alert that the disk drive was open and would never shut, so I couldn't play any disk games. Hmm. Yeah, I... Uh... I, my, my PS3 failed, my GameCube failed, my OG Xbox failed, and my 360 failed. So Okay, now, now the game, your GameCube failed. That is a sturdy system. It mm-hmm. even has a handle because it's very portable. Yes. <laughs> like, so what were you playing to fail your GameCube? Well, I, two things. I was playing marathon sessions of Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I had it in an entertainment unit that was kind of a small shelf, so I don't think it was venting heat properly. And mm. it just overheated and died, and I had to send it back. So, so we're going to blame Retro Game Studios. I see. Sure, yes. Yeah, blame them right away for all that. Well, let's get into a game that is slightly less retro than Suikoden. Number three. Mr. Angelo. Uh, yes? Mr. Salieri sends his regards. You know... The world isn't run by the laws written on paper. It's run by people. Some according to laws, others not. It depends on each individual how his world will be, how he makes it. And you also need a whole lot of luck, so that somebody else doesn't make your life hell. Uh, I just spoiled the ending of that ancient game, Mafia. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was Disney Infinity. Right? Was that yeah, supposed to be his voiceover as he was dying? Yes, as he lies dead. That's actually. like a lot of exposition, yep. you know, for like, hey, I just got shot. Now I'm going to give you a 20-minute breakdown of what's not fair mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Hey, gather around. I'm dying. I got a couple of things I don't want you to forget. <laughs> oh, about. I'm dying over oh. here. 
but yeah, Mafia One is an early two thousands open world car crime game. Weird in that, like you could get. Uh, chased by cops for disobeying traffic laws. Yeah, he's mentioning laws, and I'm like, yeah, if you uh-huh. run a red light in that game, you're fucked. Yeah. So again, that's a hangable offense. Let's get it. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, so Tommy Angelo, the main character, is hounded to the point where he has to turn state's evidence on his bosses, and we then get an epilogue where years later, in the like the the game is set in the the 20s or the 30s, the 30s, I think. Uh, so years later, he's an old man in the 50s and he's watering his garden and these two gangsters in a car pull up and they say Tommy Angelo, Mr. Cilieri, the crime boss, sends his regards and blow him away. But then Mafia 2 has a similar scene. Mr. Angelo. Uh, yes? Mr. Cilieri sends his regards. No voiceover this time because it's you that blew him away. Oh. As Vito huh. Scaletta, yes, you and your friend Joe, uh, There, there's just a brief mission where it's just like, oh yeah, we, we found this rat, go whack him. And uh, so you, you go out there and like, you just, it's just a cut scene, but you get this brief realization like, oh, I'm the one that did it. That's like if there was a Sopranos game that let you be the guy in the members only jacket. I am sorry to mm-hmm. spoil that for you guys, yeah, but yeah. that's who whacked Tony. Oh. You mean, you mean Pete in the beginning who hangs himself because Tony won't let him die yet. It, you're never rat on your friends. No. Always about family, though. Yeah, but see, that's what that guy gets for having to live the rest of his life like a schnook. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered he ordered marinara and he got noodles and ketchup. Yeah. Oh, that's I, gross. Sorry, I watched Goodfellas recently. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of Chantix commercials. Wow. And as far back as I can remember, I wanted to quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> now I can. Hey, everybody, I'm Henry Hill. How you doing? <laughs> because I, I don't know. I, that's all I can think about. Because like, I, uh, uh, Ray Liotta was such a fun character. He was like kind of your first, the first voice protagonist in a, in a GTA game. Mm-hmm. It sucks that he was never brought back in any way. Because it kind of would have been awesome to fight his ass. Yeah. Uh, whereas Mafia seemed to have the right idea. Yeah, they did have the right idea. And not only that, but Mafia Three brought uh, Vito, the second game's protagonist, back as a henchman that you could recruit. And uh, but when you first meet him, he's he's definitely got the upper and, hand in the relationship. And he was the boss on uh, Viva La Bam. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uncle, yeah, he's Uncle, Uncle Vito. Vito. Yeah. Uncle served Vito. in Vietnam, huh? Yes, sir. Sal tells me uh, you're in a few pieces of tin over there. Well, I served with some good men. Nothing I did would happen without them. Army, Marines, regular army at first, and then I was recruited to the Fifth SFG, Special Forces. I told you it was something else. Now, not that anything's going to go wrong, but just in case, goddamn, don't you want a man like that on your side? Well, if you're vouching for him, Sal, that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, and you mean, when you meet him again, he's down on his luck, and you rescue him, and then he's like, all oh, right, I guess I'll join your mob. That that one I've, I've actually played, and I was one of the only, because that game didn't, I don't think it sold that well. Like, every time I see it, it's on no. sale for, like, $7. Yeah. And, uh, it's and it's a it's really great. good game. It's yeah. great. And, and, like, I remember playing it, and it's like, this feels like if Jason Voorhees was a mobster, 
Yeah, yeah, you are this unstoppable killing machine. Yeah, you're just this huge fucking guy who lumbers around killing people. They actually give some thought to like, well, how are you this much of a good killer? And it's like, oh, I'm ex-special forces. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And you're giant compared to everyone else in the game, too. You're like Mm -hmm. 6'4". You're just picking up mobsters and throwing them around. It's great. And the lieutenants are really cool. Like, they they actually are well-written, like, multi-layered characters. Mm -hmm. There's infighting between them where, like, if you choose, you can, like, choose... Okay, I just went over this area. It takes place in a kind of a fake New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and you can like Saint Denis. What's thank you? What's it called? Saint Denis. No, no. Well, no, yeah, but that's that's Wrong game, Red Dead. But Red, yeah, yeah. That's the RDR two. This what, is New Bordeaux. Is, New Bordeaux. Thank you. I, I have a shirt that I wear to the gym. That's a New Bordeaux shirt that I got from <laughs> some stuff. Um, but like, so if you went over a section of the city, you get to choose. I'm going to assign this to one of my lieutenants, so they're in charge and they they have to make money for mm-hmm. me. But if you like give all the the sections to like the same lieutenant the other ones will get pissed off and they will like leave you and not be a lieutenant anymore yeah. like it's it's a really cool They'll system betray you you'll like so there there is a possibility depending on how things go that you'll have to track down and kill Vito Scaletta right. so the yeah. the cycle of assassinating the last protagonist continues unabated very good game yeah very more, good more game. people should play it really good if series. it's on sale and you see it grab it it's a yeah. really yeah, it's good. Good You're deal. Talking about Mafia Tree, Mafia one? Tree. Mafia Tree One is interesting, but is aged rather badly. <laughs> yes, I mean that's all I can remember. Why I didn't play it? Because like they said, like yeah, you can drive cars of the era, but mm-hmm. that is not fun <laughs> yeah. or fast. They are very slow. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and if you don't obey traffic laws, yeah. you get pulled over. And, and then I yeah, remember Mafia Two. Uh, like the missions were fun. The open world was just like there's nothing to do here except hunt for playboys. And it's like the most thankless thing. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like still, real life. I still have a picture <laughs> yeah, with yeah. myself and, and Tyler Nagata with Playboy models in front of a Mafia 2 E3 standee. That's the kind of thing oh, wow. that could get me fired from the games industry. Yeah, that's nowadays. a yeah. way different E3, way yep. different industry. Very, very different. And uh, although I, I do like Mafia 3, you can hunt for Playboys again, but now you actually get like a chunk of the original magazine. Like you get to read some of the articles yeah. that were in like the 1967 January Playboy, whatever, whatever year. What an this article. My stereo sucks. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, if we sounded like we were pining for the good old days, we were not. Nah. It was just as awkward oh. back then as it is to think of it's, now. It's just surreal and, to Embarrassing and on. desperate as it looks. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was creepy then. Yeah. Fun, fa- fun fact, I believe that is still my LinkedIn photo. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, if you're, if you're hiring out there for a shitty podcaster with no skills, check me out on LinkedIn. Your profile picture on, like, the professional social network is you with the Playboy model. I think it's cropped to mostly me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, There's probably a little say. bit of teenag crotch in there. <laughs> so you didn't like go up to the women who had the uh, the 3DSs uh, changed to their belts and go like, do you come with a 3DS? <laughs> no, I didn't because they came to me. Ah. I definitely have awful pictures of that, too. It, that is, it, it is oddly incriminating at this mm. point, uh, but it wasn't my idea and I didn't choose to do it. Hmm. God damn it. Oh, well. God damn it. I did not chain those women to Nintendo systems. Yeah, that was really weird. That was really weird. Oh, no, that's right. They did it at E3, yes. but they also... Do you don't remember? They came to our office and did it. Did they? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's pictures of me and Henry like uh, playing 3DSs that are chained to women. Oh, that's, that's I awkward. I mean, like, not scantily clad in prof- maybe semi-professional well, see, th- women. That's, that's the thing beyond the weird objectification, like, just going up and just 
playing a video game that is tethered to someone's yeah. belt yeah. is a very strange and awkward experience. You're in their personal space. Uh-huh. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, I am super suave. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if you got a cheat code, I'm free for dinner tonight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what they want to hear. Um, well, let's let's stick with the crime theme, but go to something I know more people have experience with. Number two. In fact, I might even say this is a well we've gone back to rather frequently. Trevor, I'm talking to you, motherfucker. Are you? What are you saying? Fucking my girl, man. It's wrong. Well, I gotta fuck someone. You want me to fuck you instead? Is that the problem here? Uh, so this is, of course. <laughs> We're, we're going to cover two Grand Theft Auto games ah, in this. Okay. Um, so that was that was Johnny Clevitz. Uh, yeah, Johnny Clevitz, protagonist of the GTA 4, The Lost and Damned. One of, I loved that DLC, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed up by a really was, strong one, too, The Ballad of Gay Tony. Like, yeah. Those were really good DLCs. I, I remember feeling like Lost and Damned was like, so GTA 4 is depressing. This is so much more depressing. And it's very depressing. And it, it goes on, leaves, ends on such a bigger down note. And then Ballad of Gay Tony, it's like, hey, remember why you love GTA? It's fun. Yeah. It's silly. Yeah. Don't abandon us. Yeah, but if you thought that was depressing, I don't. I don't think you can go back to Lost in the Damned after Ballad of Gay Tony. Mm. But also, like, but it was it was an attempt at something moodier and darker and weirder. Yeah, yeah. But but also, like, if you thought that was depressing. The story of what happened to Johnny in the the few years between that and five, yeah, he basically becomes a speed addict, and yeah. that's why he looks so different. Well, that's one of the the plot lines in uh, GTA Four in Lost and Damned is his girlfriend Crystal is like this hopeless uh, meth addict, yeah. and she just it's it's one of those like junkie scenarios where like she just shows up and asks for money and uses him for a while, and he's like, "Why are you doing this? Why can't you get off this stuff?" And then to find out in five that, like, yeah, in the intervening years, uh, rather than him pulling her up into sobriety, she pulled him down into addiction. And right. so now he's yeah. just another uh, washed out meth head. And, and I, I thought that was really sad to yeah. see because, like, remember in the DLC, like, uh, the, the Nico Bellic voice actor sort of, like, threw Rockstar under the bus in terms of, like, saying they underpaid. Yeah. And, and, and I still think this is a reference to that. It was a... Uh... An Eastern European guy making moves in Liberty City. He went quiet. Oh, he went quiet. The worst fate for a voice actor. <laughs> oh, but, but see, I figured. I feel like this is what they wanted to do with the Nico Bellic, but they didn't want to hire his voice actor back. Well, that's they didn't what, want to give the fuck the satisfaction. That's why I was asking um, when we were talking about this. I'm like, wait, did something happen behind the scenes? Because you mentioned it was sad to see. Don't worry, you don't need to see it for very long in GTA Five. Because almost as soon as they introduce the guy, uh, spoiler alert, skip forward 20 seconds, Trevor mm-hmm. stomps his head into the ground and kills him. Uh, and it's rather graphic, and you see it all. And then he makes jokes about it. Who the fuck are you speaking to? Who? Who? I'm talking to you, huh? You fuck! Johnny! Huh? Next time, don't get in my fucking face! I just saw a fucking ghost and I gotta hear your crap! Oh, yeah, that's the other thing that he's pushed in. The, the reason he's <laughs> raging like this, because Johnny Johnny's all... He gets apologetic about it. He's like, I didn't mean nothing by it. It's just it gets so angry because you're fucking my girl. And uh, But uh, the reason that Trevor is in this particular rage is because he saw on TV like somebody talking about a robbery at a jewelry store and 
like this this line that uh, Michael apparently uses a lot. It's like you forget a million things a day. Make this one of them. It's it's not that, but it's something like that. Yeah, well, yeah. The ghost he's referring yeah, to is yeah. Michael. Yes, he's, he's thought was dead a long time ago because mm-hmm. he was in the. So he's he's pissed because how dare this guy surface right. now? Yeah, yeah. And he takes it out on poor Johnny. Yes, boy, does he ever fucking head caved in. Yes, uh, I said it's twenty seconds. So. <laughs> You skip ahead a lot more. Than yeah, that, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's like it's it's not that crucial to the storytelling. It's just this kind of awesome slash mean thing that Rockstar did. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, I don't want another version of Lost in the Dam. Hmm. But I thought it was it was interesting to focus on a new group of people like that. And it was this is like years before Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, 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 a shitty, dirty biker gang, and they turn the whole world like uh, like Dr. Dre video orange. Like I don't. I don't really want to see that again, and all the bikes controlled really weird. Um, I like almost every other iteration of it better, but I, I, I you know, I was told, told I say this about the incident all the time. It's the opening of Jurassic Park three to show that this dinosaur is so much better than the previous dinosaurs mm-hmm. you played as. Yes, we're going to murder the old dinosaur in front of you as the Spinosaurus took out the T Rex, and I love that Jurassic World undid that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It totally undid that that major moment. That, but that was the establishing moment of Jurassic Park three: the old T Rex getting murdered by the new big bad, and then uh, the T Rex gets to come in with a cameo and save the day in Jurassic World. So, like the only thing I like about that movie. Well, God, when when you said that, like uh, they probably wanted to do that that scene with Nico, and said, "I'm I'm just imagining like so would." Would it be Roman instead of Crystal in that scene? Hey, Trevor, you are fucking me so good. Hey, you hit my spot so good, Trevor. We should go bowling after this, Trevor. Trevor, grab my titties. <laughs> Call me cousin. We all sound like Triumph the Insult. <laughs> so did Roman. Yes. 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 <laughs> Uh, but there, there is another cameo that uh, was even bigger at the time and, and sort of surprising, but uh, not not quite as uh, vocal or noisy. This, Carl? This is my new man. Are you jealous? Are you going to fight for me? Huh? No, no, I, I could take rejection. You are jealous and a coward. Now let's race! So Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, that is Catalina talking, mm-hmm. and... Her new man is Claude Speed, the uh, the protagonist of GTA yes. Three, and he doesn't say anything. He just shows up and he's like, mm. and he gives you a garage, right? He gives you like the deed to the garage. To yes. Well, when garage. when you when you beat them, Catalina hands you this. What is this shit? The deed to a garage in San Fierro. My lover needs his car so we can go to Liberty City. Liberty City. Yeah. Whatever. Have a good time. I will. Fine. Okay. Go. I ain't gonna miss you. Goodbye. <laughs> can you keep playing it so I can hear that Depeche Mode song more? <laughs> Reach out, touch Faith. your own personal Claude. <laughs> he's back, baby. When you, yeah, when you first mentioned Claude, I'm like, who's Claude? I just know him as the silent I, guy. He's the one no one remembers. Yeah. But I mean, like, it's 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 sort of sad. But like, I really I don't care about Claude at all. You're not supposed to. Yeah, he's, he's a cipher. Yeah, he's a, he's a blank yeah. avatar. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of cool that, like, oh, they put him in the game. Yeah. He doesn't say shit. All right, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's only bizarre that, like, you played as this silent protagonist with no personality, uh, and you couldn't customize him. Yeah. I think that's one of the weird things about Yeah, that's him. true. Right. He could have been anybody. Right. 
He could just have been like anybody. Spider-Man under the mask. He could be anybody. Yes, <laughs> like Mysterio's best friend is seen in the new trailer. I am, yeah. I am so happy to just completely digress that they are uh, putting Mysterio in a Spider-Man movie and seemingly taking him seriously as well. Mm-hmm. He's the best part of that trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know he's bullshitting on front. Of course street. he is. That's what he does. Oh, I know he is, man. Ah, I, I love Mysterio so much. One of yep. my favorite comics ever, by the way, is his suicide, where he talks about, I'm so unpopular, I have to commit suicide in Daredevil's book, and you're not even my main enemy. <laughs> and, and still still love the, the the Mysterio fights in Spider-Man 2 are some of my favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. That, uh, he, it was one of the best parts about Disney Infinity 2. Oh, yeah? They were the scarecrow levels, uh, essentially, of uh, Disney Infinity oh, 2. Wow. Yeah, he just created a bunch of hallucinatory levels uh, to play through. Yeah, that's what, that's what he does. But like, yeah, Spider Man too. I just remember him like building these bigger and bigger illusions until he bankrupts himself, and then the last time you find him, he's just robbing a convenience store, <laughs> and he turns around and his health bar fills up like five times. So you run and you're like, oh shit, and you like go to punch him, and then like one punch just completely lays him out and wipes out all his health. It was all an illusion, Michael. An illusion. <laughs> it's all about Peter. psyching you out. Oh, it's such a fun time to be be in love with Spider-Man again. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, no Spider-Man in this next one, but maybe some snakes. Hold on. I'm not an enemy. Calm down. My name is... My name is Pliskin. Iroquois Pliskin. Lieutenant Junior Grade. Are you a Navy SEAL? Iroquois plus come on. Yeah. <laughs> Iroquois which by the way, not not just a tribal name, but apparently meant snake. It's a type of yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. snake. Yep. Mm-hmm. Snake Pliskin. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, could uh, also uh, as of this week, happy birthday to John Carpenter. Yeah, oh nice. Can can, can I just stop, stop for a moment and that was a masterful segue to number one, by the way, going oh. from spiders to snakes. Oh, thank you. Thumbs up on that, Michael. Good uh, well, if I can if I can wreck that illusion of competence, uh, I did not realize until like literally last week that Revolver Ocelot was patterned to look like John Carpenter. I, I never like somebody pointed it out in a YouTube video. I'm like, oh, shit. Why did I never notice that? <laughs> I mean. Why would you though? Carpenter's usually behind the camera, right? That's it's, true. It's, that's true. This recent years, we well, see shit, a lot that more guy has like his own music videos. Well, well now yeah. from the eighties. Yeah. No, not now, but back in the day, like I was watching the Big Trouble in Little China theme song. It's him and his buddies oh, really? like jamming out in keytars. It's hilarious. Well, you know what would actually uh, get me really excited as a Metal Gear fan is so John Carpenter. I think has recently said that like he wants to work on video games. Mm-hmm. Like, what if What if Konami yeah. just announced he's the creative director on the next Metal Gear? That could be interesting, Ooh. right? Or a consultant, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, the last game he he was really had a lot of input on was the thing on PS2, which right? Is, which is not bad. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. I work. I, I don't know. I, I, I swear. I imagine that guy has some serious insight in the in the medium, and I love those interviews. He says, "That's." Would you like to go back to making movies like that? Would cut into my video game playing time. <laughs> yes, I'm not interested in that. I hope if he does, it's not just to like score a game. You know, like mm, yeah, it, yeah, it would yeah. actually have to be like. I mean, you know, all respect to his musical skills, yeah, sure. that would still be pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, you could still see him live in concert and watch him push it, push a single button on a keyboard and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not he, a DJ. He he open he Sorry, opens we, for John Tesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a reference. Only people as old as us will get. But has he completed uh, Snaking Mission 60? Any field experience? No, not really. So this is your first. 
I've had extensive training, the kind that's indistinguishable from the real thing. Like what? Sneaking mission 60, weapons 80, advanced VR, huh? But realistic in every way. A virtual grunt of the digital age, that's just great. Realistic in <laughs> every way. Astrobot rescue mission. <laughs> Played that in ton it's of that. on PlayStation. Hell yeah, I even had used it with the Move controllers. It's just like the real thing. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, I, I think so much of Raiden's unpopularity is that voice. It's pretty it's, bad. It, it's, awful. it's like I'm, I'm par uh, with Bentley the it, turtle. It's part of it, but the other part of I it... I graduated to valedictorian at Wiener School, so <laughs> I'm perfectly capable... I mean, it, that's part of it. The other part of it is is you wanted to play a snake that entire game. Yes. And they took that away for you mm. from you after that first act. And then that's when, when I talk about, like, the cock tease category, it's like, oh, good, it's snake. Snake's back. Good. It'll hand over the reins. I get to play as snake again. Not yeah. quite. What about their leader? He says he's solid snake. Snake died two years ago. You heard it from the man himself. He's dead. Snake. <laughs> He'll never be back again. Snake died? <laughs> dead? Uh. Yeah, he died protecting Harry Potter, I believe. Two years. (laughs) (laughs) You. Sorry, I feel like I want to talk about anything else this episode. I I really don't. You have his eye, just the one eye, because the eye patch, because a boss. You know, if I have to explain it, never mind. Snake killed Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) Gay wizard. War is a video game. What better way to raise the ultimate soldier? Yeah. I believe that I believe that context was implied, Snake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the fight dinosaurs thing, I'll, I'll call back to that. Uh, I was actually thinking of, so Metal Gear Solid 4, they meet again. Uh, this time, they, they clearly wanted you to want to play as Raiden and not give you that opportunity. So he shows up and now he's the cool cyborg ninja. And he fights all those weird gecko gears that uh, flop around and moo or whatever it is they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I do think you're considering this so well known. You're not explaining why it's on the list very well. Oh, okay. So Metal Gear Solid Two, you're, you're Sons of Liberty. You're playing as Raiden, who's this blonde, pretty boy. Mild spoilers, uh, modeled to be a replacement Solid Snake, but really he's a commentary on the players playing the game because. You think you're like Solid Snake, but you're nothing like Solid Snake. And partway through, he has an encounter with Vamp, a uh, nanomachine-powered operative who basically looks and acts like a very gothy vampire and is almost killed, but then uh, Snake shows up in the guise of uh, Iroquois Pliskin Lieutenant Junior Grade and saves the day. And Snake, for a while, is posing as just another Navy SEAL who managed to show up and who wasn't totally... Uh, busting ahead of you, uh, knocking out guards when you first showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, with a sweet mullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his sweet, sweet mullet. But what, but the reason it was so upsetting to people is the the first act of the game, you are playing as Snake, which ended up being most... Uh, excuse me, you mean the Zone of Ender's demo? That yeah, like it, it ended up before. being not much more than yeah. just the demo. But then, then Snake, yeah, you, you do get to play as him at the beginning of Metal Gear Solid 2, but he's just the prologue hero. Yeah. And they they went yeah, it's, to great. It's, it's, it's so much more. It's so much more than just a misdirect in the mm-hmm. game. They had a demo out there for. It wasn't just that people thought you could play a snake. People had already played as snake. Yep. Yep. And, and, for, and all of the marketing materials were snake. Out. It was everything was snake. Yes, was, Raiden was never mentioned, even even as like a secondary character. No, he was kept secret. Uh, reviewers were asked to keep him secret. Yeah. 
and the, and a lot it's most so of them fucking, did. It's so crazy. Because it's like it's. it's okay. I remember be, I be, remember being completely baffled by mm-hmm. this when I when I sat down and first played the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, apparently Ko- Kojima had said that he wanted to get more girls interested in playing games, and so he was asking them like, "So, would Mission would you be interested in playing as Snake?" And they're like, "No, he's old and gross." And like, "Okay, well, who would you be interested in playing as?" And they described this character that was very uh, aesthetically appealing to teenage Japanese girls. Like he's sort of uh, has has feminine features and long hair and uh, yeah he looks like Sephiroth fucked snake kind of yeah <laughs> and put on a big uh. blonde wig <laughs> and how cool is the story of Raiden uh, who eventually gets to redeem himself yeah. with a little revenge I mean by becoming more machine than man mm-hmm. but man, yeah, true <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's he's That's a lot fun. of fun in Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, shows up and just flips out and uh destroy some mecha that are like a hundred times his size. Uh, he's, and then he gets his own game revengeance, which is a lot of fun. It's, it's not quite as good as other metal gears, but you do get to slice watermelons in multiple directions. And isn't that what we all really want deep down? So fruit ninja. Yes. We just always want another fruit ninja game. I forgot about this being like semi revealed in a weird connect demo. Hmm. Huh, and then well, so Metal Gear. I was telling you, Michael, like, yeah, that, that's probably the most well-known example. It's happened a few times. Uh, now they've retconned a few things. They mess with the timeline a lot. Yes, but basically, in we could get into heavy spoiler territory and talk yeah. about some of the other protagonists that have crossed paths yes, in this series. Why not? Why not? We're here now, right? Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. We can spoil the shit out of this. These are all quite old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Other than maybe, so the five, the five, though. Skip ahead like three minutes if you don't want to hear big spoilers about Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, you are playing as boss, uh, Big Boss. Mm-hmm. So the whole premise of Five is you're supposed to be playing as Big Boss as he's setting yes. up his base. Um the entire first part of that game, you wake up from a coma, your boss, you're crawling to a hospital, and you're guided by just this mysterious man. Call me Ishmael. Yeah, Ishmael, <laughs> where it is revealed, again, big spoilers, please skip forward if you haven't played 5, but you really should play 5, it's amazing, it's mm-hmm. probably one of my games of the generation. It's revealed that you are not Big Boss that entire time. You you are no. just this guy that they made to look like Big Boss. You're, you're the medic who stood in front of Big Boss and absorbed most of the shrapnel right. from the explosion that downed his helicopter. And so Ishmael was actually Big Boss, uh-huh. and you've just been an imposter the whole game. So the reason that, that applies in this case, though, is, is you did play as Big Boss in Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Yes, and also in uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. Uh, but Playing, playing as uh, Venom Snake or Vic, Vic Boss or any of his other names, uh, you are actually Big Boss's phantom, in quotes. And you are, it is revealed, the boss of the first Metal Gear game. So technically, that is Venom Snake crossing paths with Solid Snake early on Metal Gear 1. Metal Gear 2, that is big boss for realsies uh as the boss and uh that's him crossing paths with solid snake again uh big boss doesn't become playable until metal gear solid 3 which i think is the fifth game in the franchise technically not counting ghost babel or acid or any of the other ones yeah yeah. so it's happened a lot Mm -hmm. you jump you have to jump around in the timeline quite a bit it's it's a sort of it is a common trope though of the metal gear games where you are going to encounter a former protagonist of a different game Mm -hmm. 
Well, anyway, that's been our uh, weird uh, protagonist saying hi to each other and clapping each other on the shoulder list. But let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff, so stay tuned. We passed up on the stair We spoke up was and when Although I wasn't there He said I was his friend Which came as some surprise I spoke into his eyes I thought you'd die Let's get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 302010. <laughs> Do you want to see a really unfortunately hilarious TV ad for the Ryan White story? Please. Sure. TV movie. This is not a funny story. Ryan White was a little kid with hemophilia, which is already really fucking sad. Mm-hmm you know, needed, like, blood platelets. And back in the early 80s, before we had a test, AIDS got into the whole system, and so this kid ended up with HIV. They banned him from school because other parents are freaking out. Like, oh my god, this kid's gonna make everyone have HIV. This is not a funny story. This kid, it's tragic. And yet, for some reason, this ad makes me laugh so hard, and I hate myself so much for it. Then they said he couldn't play with their kids. It's the law. That he didn't belong. They're afraid. The Ryan White Story. Tomorrow. I was born with some AIDS. Yikes! (laughs) Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And we're back with our final segment. Thank you for waiting for us to dive straight into that phenomenon, that (laughs) towering achievement known only as... Who played Onimusha Warlords? Anybody? We talked about it last week. Back when it first came out? Absolutely. Love that game. Played the crap out of that series. It was great. Uh, Have not played the remake. Or it's not. Even, it's a. It's this is a remaster. It's a remaster. Yeah. This one is pretty much that game. It does have the sixteen by nine format. Mm. You know they've upres some stuff, 69. but it's it's the <laughs> it's the same game. It, there's there's not much new there. Which again, so it's like ah, I played through it when it came out. I would love for them to bring back Onimusha. Like why not? Like it went yeah. away. It was the samurai Resident Evil. But no, I haven't played this one. I'll play it eventually, just like I'll eventually play the Walking Dead final season episode three, which is. Did finally that come out? out this week? Yeah. It came out. Yeah. Oh my Against God. all odds. Dude, that's, I mean, that's pretty, it's not that I wasn't reading video game news. I, I saw one post somewhere about that, but I didn't read it as it like, this is out. Hmm. Is this the third episode? Episode yes. three. Yeah. It came out on the 15th along with Onimusha. Yeah. So Skybound picked it up and they, they got it out the door, which is awesome. And then I think uh, they've already even announced uh, dates for Ep4. They're going to finish that season. Yeah. Good for them. Ace Combat 7, Streets Ahead. I mean, Sky's Unknown. <laughs> uh, um, fuck, there's a new Ace Combat. Yeah, there is. Uh, a long-awaited R.I.P. Brett. Uh, he, could, he wouldn't have been able to tell you if it was good. 
Yeah, actually, it's, I was talking to Michael. I was like, I can't remember. I think it was four was probably the last mm. Ace Combat game I played. No, Assault Horizons was fucking badass, mm. and it's some of the best music I've ever heard. Oh, yeah, all Ace Combats that I played were badass. They, those were that was a great series. It's kind of you don't really do the flight combat games that much anymore. The industry That's just true. doesn't see that many of them. So hey, they were the best. Why not bring yep. it back? And this one has a, uh, I think, a separate VR campaign that's like a prequel. It's set in 2014. Ooh, what? Yeah. Ooh, uh, so yeah. Uh, speaking of long overdue awaited franchises, Travis Strikes Again: No More Heroes is out on Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. and that is the people are saying it's like the indie No More Heroes game because it, it, you know it's a totally different perspective. It's more uh, isometric kind of top down mm-hmm. uh, than, than the other games but uh, if you want to dive back into that universe it is the Hell way, yeah. the only way to do so. Wasn't it the, like Travis and the, the father of one of the assassins that he killed are like stuck in a series of video games? Yes, indie yeah. games though. The, the oh, indie game that Suda51 is obsessed with, and that I think I read in one article, like, you're probably better off playing whatever inspired. I'm no sorry, Michael Siri just thought we were talking to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Michael's iPhone just thought we were talking to her. I think I said, I see, I see, and my iPhone just suddenly sprang to life on my desk. <laughs> Did you mean me? Not you, Papa Goulash. <laughs> Thank God you guys got that reference. Yeah. But uh, another new release that I wanted to talk about is I played last week's new releases. Uh, I played some new Super Mario Brothers U on Switch. I played a ton of it. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I th- I, Michael, I think you were correct about the syncing issue because, like, it is not an inspired 2D Mario game. It doesn't really do anything special. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really pretty. Yeah. And uh, it was much... I had a much better time playing this one. I really tried. Mul- there wasn't a lot to play on Wii U for like the first couple months, so like I, I remember like why don't I like this? Yeah, for for me, the the fact that like my t- there was like a very slight delay on my TV uh, made it unplayable. It was like this isn't how a Mario game should feel. On Switch, it feels great. Yeah, I've been playing it mostly undocked, and um, yeah, I like it. If you can uh, swallow your pride enough to play as Toadette, which is labeled as easier. You can uh, take advantage of the the super crown and become Peachette, which I think it it just replaces the squirrel suit with uh, Princess Peach transformation, and she floats like she does in Super Mario. No, it's, it's a little too. different. She has she has like her traditional uh, Princess Peach floating powers established yeah. in Super Mario Brothers. Too. But it decays uh, slightly as she floats, so there's a slight downward trajectory. Well, it's because it's because her dress is catching the upwinds uh, from the drafts, and then that's making her float. That's cake. Holy shit! Who knew Matt's nerdy voice was better than all of ours? <laughs> that's well, actually Matt, my real voice. Yeah. So oh, this, oh. this is just an affectation. This I is your on. radio voice. That yeah. We're hearing. And, and as, as a minor, a uh, personal aside, like um, one of my friend, my uh, good friends. Uh, daughters is a big Toadette fan. That's who she played as in uh, exclusively in Mario Kart, and she just happened to be over. And I got to tell her. I think that's why I bought the game. Actually, I knew she was coming over. And like, there's a new Mario game, and you can play as Toadette for the first time. And so that blew her mind. And then she got the crown and learned she could play as Princess Peach. And like, she was like, I don't know, like the look on a on a ten year old girl's face that like these characters she loves are now playable in a real Mario game. That yeah. was something. I don't know. I hope we don't entirely ignore. I think it was Mario Kart and then Run also had Toadette. Like run, my, my run, daughters sorry, know to, who Toadette she is. She knows Run. And, yeah. And she played a lot of Run with Toadette. Yeah. And so She's like fucking really fast. Toadette She's to really me, fast. I'm like, this wasn't like a big character, you know, growing up or anything. And they love Toadette. They love the braids because it's like, yeah, she's got the cool braids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Yeah, like I, I am melted a little bit watching her reaction Aww. as playing with Toadette and then becoming Princess Peach. And then I got to tell her it's not just Princess Peach. It's and I didn't tell her about Bowsette. I thought she wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no, thank God. Not a Is monster. anybody really ready for Bowsette? I was a little ready for it. I got to admit. But I'm a platinum DeviantArt user, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had to go somewhere after Tumblr, right? Yeah. But like they, they didn't. They didn't really add anything to the game, though. No, not, not that I can tell. Well, I mean, you do get to play uh, Super, Super Luigi, Luigi U, which yeah. is fun. Which is nice. It's just that, like, um, if you remember, like, one of the things that was weird about it, that when you, on the overworld, the map feels really barren, because if you remember on Wii U, people would leave notes about what, like, they could even leave notes on, like, what power-up you could use here through the Miiverse. Um, they could make little drawings, like, this level sucks, this level rules, uh, watch out for this. And, like, now I'm on the overworld, and, like, all non-portable 2D new Mario games look really barren to me. Hmm. And slightly uninteresting. Am I crazy with that? Uh, I don't know. The character crazy. occupies like the bottom eighth of the screen. There's a ton of unused space, hmm. and uh, so so. But in a, losing the meverse aspect, like wow, they didn't add anything to this, and they actually remove more than they added. Huh. I think they do that because they are they are designed for multiplayer, and so it's like when when you are playing with other people, that screen quickly does fill up, and and you know you want to keep track of who you are. But yeah, when you're oh, playing dude, that's single like, player, that's like a godsend. If we never talked about, it. you remember how much we shit on New Super Mario Brothers Wii? Yeah, I do because it, the screen got crowded, and everybody has like collision boxes, so you can shove yeah, each other yeah, around. Yeah, and now that doesn't exist at all. It was like that one simple thing mm-hmm. any other developer would have patched in to fix. Uh, Nintendo took ten years to fix, <laughs> but they. they <laughs> did and it might have been fixed in mario wii u i don't remember but uh yeah that was, like i played with like four people and like it was perfectly pleasant nice mm-hmm. that's awesome well did any of you play the resident evil 2 demo the quote-unquote one-shot demo no what, what's why is it a one-shot demo because you have half an hour to finish the whole thing unless you're willing to create an all-new account and can play and, uh, and yeah you, you that that's it's technically one shot but you can kind of really? get around it but the thing is you're, you're still playing the same first half hour of the game over and over again it's not like mm-hmm. it keeps your progress or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah um, but yeah, they. I, I thought it was interesting the changes they were made. Obviously, it's very pretty. Leon is not. Uh, <laughs> I don't, he he <laughs> looks a little less like DiCaprio now, uh, which is fine. But uh, they like the the inventory system felt very Resident Evil Seven. Um, with the, like you have the quick select slots that you can assign to a D pad, uh, and um, it uh, it does some interesting things because I feel like. It definitely loses something in, number one, like, a lot of people have already played this, so you kind of already know what to expect. Like, okay, I'm in a big, narrow hallway with a ton of windows, shit's going to jump through the windows. Um, You don't know exactly where, you now have uh, boards that you can find to patch up the windows to keep things from jumping through. It never quite feels like enough. Uh, They... Somebody pointed out they play tricks on you in that, like, you can shoot a zombie. Like, the zombies are super resilient. They can take a lot of punishment. And you can shoot a zombie in the head three or, you know, four or five times. It goes down. And, like, you will have instances where zombies basically just ragdoll. And, like, you think, okay, now that's clearly dead. 
they won't get up. They they'll you you can walk through them, whatever, and then you'll like go and do something else, and you'll come back and you'll like run right into them because they'll be up and moving. I feel again. like that was always a Resident Evil trick, though. They would they would Undertaker. They would lay down and then they would like pop up, you know, and yeah, and they'd lay down, you, but, but and then you, you know, have to just basically make their head explode, you, and that was the only yeah. way you knew you would kill. Them. You'd watch for the cue of like the blood pool spilling spreading out from right. under them, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. You don't have that now, but it, it definitely does lose something in not having the static camera angles because those were th- those kind of built a sense of paranoia and like incomplete control because like okay I have to go through this hallway but it's at this angle I don't have a full sense of what's around me and uh, but now like you you have full control over the camera so mm. it's a little bit okay I can look over there I can look over there I can see what's hiding in this space whatever Hmm. I mean, what it looks like to me is you get like kind of the story or most of the story of two, but play mm-hmm. looks like it plays more like four or the model that four yeah. establishes. Is that, yeah, is that kind oh, of what it, it feels it, like? It is. It does have that sort of over the shoulder thing. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it definitely has the puzzles of two, like right away. Like here's that statue with like the three seals that you have to find and uh, yeah. to open a secret passageway to get out of the police station. And it's weird that the cops don't know how to get out of the police station. <laughs> It's weird that they create this puzzle to get uh-huh. out of the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's still a Resident Evil game, you know. It it's very much is. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but but I mean that game is really close anyway, right? Yeah. That game's end of this month. Yeah. So super yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's fun. I'll say that for the demo. It's really fun. There there is a sense of a little bit of hopelessness and like it brings back that feeling of like being really low on ammo and surrounded by enemies is like, I'm pretty sure they can still take a ton of punishment. Yeah. And like, I have to use my knife, but now the knife works a little differently. You can't just endlessly slash at things. It has durability. Oh, uh, really? Knives oh, are things that you now like jab into zombies to, to get them down and you can recover them, but they'll be damaged. You know, I mean, the knives were always just a, a tactic to buy yourself time and run away. They, they yeah. were never meant to like yeah. use as a primary so weapon. So run, running away seems like a pretty viable tactic this time okay. around. Yeah. Hmm. Something to bear in mind because they don't have that much ammo at first. But how does that work? Because, like, in the other game, you would kind of run away and go to a different screen or a different Uh room. And they, okay, now they couldn't get me because they can't follow me here. But in this, where you don't have those fixed cameras and stuff like that, do do they just lose aggro and stop following you? I mean, sometimes, yeah. And there are... There are occasional doors that they can't really follow you through. Like there's a, a steel barrier in the police station that's, that like you have to problem. crawl under. That's the problem with these millennial zombies. You know, they really just don't have the get up and go uh-huh. yeah. to yeah. really keep chasing after you. Like it's you, bullshit. you run far away from them, they'll they'll forget about you and just sort of mill around wherever they are, and you'll have to fight them when you go back that way or run past them or whatever. But yeah, I tried a new gaming adjacent thing. Ooh, uh, guys. I watched an anime, Ugh. or at least an episode. Wait, 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 wait. Pariah! <laughs> I started High Score Girl, which is on Netflix. I really want to watch that, and that is the—it's an anime based on '90s arcade culture in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm barely into it. Episode one, uh, haven't seen much, but it surprised me. I thought it was just going to be an homage, and it's not going to have real games or anything, and it's going to be ah, oh, that's the game that's meant to be like this thing. Not only does it have real games, it has the first episode has Street Fighter Two plays a huge point in that final fight plays a huge point in the plot it has footage of the actual games that's cut into the anime right so as they're playing you know street fighter against each other it's just showing like footage of some dude you know here's the thing about it it's a little bit like anime ready player one Hmm. in that it makes a lot of like gaming references that 
as a gamer who who grew up arcade culture in the 90s, not in Japan, but here, but still, you know, it's like... It's almost exactly the same. Mortal Minus Mortal Kombat, we all grew up in the Japanese arcade scene. But the thing is, so it's like, ooh, reference. They, they made a reference that I get. I know that thing, you know, and you get excited about it. But there's like no depth to the reference, right? It, sometimes it's just reference for reference sake. I, I'm not one of those people that like looks back on Ready Player One and is like, oh, that thing was always bad. I always no. hated it. Like, I like Ready Player I, One. I the dispute book. that Ready Player One's references don't have any depth because if it weren't for that fucking sword quest contest, uh, that guy would, Ernest Klein would not have a writing career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but the point of, you know, what a lot of people, when they, they kind of retroactively critiqued Ready Player One, it was like, yeah, he's just making, it's like nostalgia overload and he's just making references. Kind of, but not, it's fun. But it's not, that's the thing. Yeah. Everyone's complaining is like, well, he's not explaining why it's important or cool. I don't give a shit. It's still fun to see that. Well, and I still like you know the what? reference. You know, the movie fucking over-explained why things were important or cool, and <laughs> yeah, that sucked. Yeah, the yeah. movie sucked. Exactly. So, yeah, th- this does that same thing where it's like literally there's a scene where they're fighting against each other in Street Fighter 2, and she's playing as, um, as Zangief. And then he, he picks Guile, and he's like, and so the, the audience is watching, or the crowd in the arcade is watching him, and he's just, oh, no, he's using uh, t- turtle strategy, Guile's turtle strategy. And then it, like, stops the show, and it's like, uh, Guile turtling is when you sit there and only use defensive moves and hold back and down, and then you, you come out with flash kicks or sonic booms, and, and it's really tough to defend against, or, you know, basically you're, you're, you, you are turtling. And it's like, yeah, certain characters, like, Zangief, like, have a lot of trouble fighting him. And I'm like, well, that's cool that they explained this thing that we all probably knew about if we played Street Fighter Two. And for mm-hmm. me, it's just like... I can just appreciate and enjoy the reference. I don't need it to mean more. My my complaint so far about the show, though, is like other than the cool video game references and stuff. And like, yeah, I love seeing like Final Fight played out on screen. I love seeing Street Fighter Two. The characters themselves, or at least the main uh, male lead, he fucking sucks, dude. Like all yeah. he is is like I am gamer. I'm into video games. He's but he's like a loser. Is he's like all I do is play video games. I'm not good at school. I don't do anything. And I guess I was reading a critique of the show online today, and they were saying, like, the show eventually becomes a romance thing where, like, it's – I think there's two female leads that are, like, vying for this dude's affection. And the only we- reason they like him is that they all happen to like video games. And that's their only – the only thing they share. And so that it's very- is literally the ultimate gamer fantasy right <laughs> yes. there. It's just like, all you care about is that I play video games. That's amazing. And so it's like, yeah, the, the main the main character is not that likable, the, the male lead and stuff. But – I don't care right now. It's still fun for me to see, like, in the credits, they, like, are listing out, like, here's some arcade machines. And I think it's machines you would have seen in the background of those arcade scenes and stuff. And it's kind of like, oh, here's the year it launched in arcades and what this thing is. That's all I need. I just want to I, I want to watch the future episodes to be like, yeah, what what arcade 90s thing are they going to pull from next? I'm totally fine with that. And me watching an anime, this is a big step, you guys. This is huge for me. <laughs> just give me this. All right. <laughs> Anyway, so anyway. That, yeah, that came out around Christmas time, but I, I finally caught the first episode while I was getting back to the gym, sitting there on the treadmill, uh-huh. had to watch. Because, you know, there's nothing cooler than watching anime at the gym. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you really, <laughs> really want to say don't talk to me at all. Pumping iron, smoking <laughs> beers, boning chicks at Bro, the gym at the same time. <laughs> One second, trainer son. Just about to finish this episode. <laughs> You call me Trainer Sama because I'm the Emperor of Japan. I, I can't even imagine what I would have to rig up to watch anime while I worked out, considering my only workout regime is now Beat Saber. <laughs> that would be so fucking hard. I'm going to insert another TV into my eye. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <sighs> maybe you could have like the anime running in a corner, and you could just sort of turn and look at it when you're not. Yeah, maybe on I could get things. the anime translated in braille, so I could. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear it with my fingertips. Maybe sure. you can beat your saber to another type of anime. Yeah. The hentai kind. Anyway. News. Bungie splits with Activision. Oh, the humanity! Holy shit, that was that was this week. Well, it, it hit basically week. right after we recorded. Yeah. Oh my god, that feels like forever ago. That's yeah. that's crazy. Sorry, keep going. Well, no, it's it's so this was supposed to be what Destiny One was supposed to be the ten year game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how many years into that are we so far? Was it 2014 when Destiny came out? Yes, it sounds about so. right. Yeah. It has yeah. the air of truthiness to so it. We're halfway there. They made it halfway before yeah. they. They parted. I don't know if it was amicable, but they've parted. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah, Bungie and Activision is no longer the publisher uh, of Destiny, uh, and Bungie retains the rights to the franchise. So, that, they, so they got that's the what seems fucking nuts to yeah. me. Mm. Activision left someone with the rights to something. That's crazy. Yeah, that this... must have been part of the deal to get Bungie on board. That's how power. This is the second publisher that Bungie's left. Bungie did get an infusion of investment cash from. Some big Asian publisher, like is either like a Tencent or a NetEase or one familiar, of these. Yeah. So, so, and but that was to develop like new IP. Um, so maybe they use that. And maybe they bu- they bought out Activision because, dude, it's not like Activision just walked away for free. <laughs> you know, it's it's like something had to happen to be like, hey, we're we're bowing out of the deal. I, I, I honestly don't know because I never really associated Activision with Destiny until. I would read about them in the gaming news, and the gaming news never report about Destiny and Activision other than that Activision didn't like Destiny. Because mm. uh, they have... A call, they, it, Destiny's a 10-year experience, and they sell a separate first-person shooter that has to be annual. How were they ever going to get along? I don't think it was... I mean, Activision liked Destiny, and they certainly liked when Destiny would sell well. Yo, I'm talking about, like, all those conference calls, like, Destiny underperforms again. Like, underperforms? There are games... There, they, Destiny created almost a, its own subgenre that people are currently ripping off. Yeah. So if this is working with for guns. Activision... And it's underperforming, like, really aggressive forecasts, too. You know, like, a lot, yes. of, a lot of games would love to have the sales numbers that Destiny 1 and 2 had, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, this is the second time kind of recently that a developer walked away with rights to a franchise. If you guys remember IO Interactive, they they split with Square yeah. and they took Hitman with them, you know? Like that was so weird. Yeah, this, this this sort of happens now? Well, it, it just I think it's it's nice because like if a publisher has like I have no idea how to make this franchise work. Why don't you just take it with you? And maybe we'll get a little like 5% on the back end down the line. Like yeah. that makes a lot more sense than holding an IP hostage. When there's developers who still want to work on stuff. So I should probably take this moment. I want to remind people what a developer is and a publisher is. Because I think a lot of people who play games hear these terms and they may not know. That's that's the thing. I'm still confused because I know what a developer does. It's very easy to figure it out. They make games. Publishers get games to people. And as we move more digital, it's like, well, why do you need a publisher? And you still see like digital games published by companies that didn't make shit. Yeah. Why? What it gets you? I, I'm so confused. Yeah, yes, you're right. So publishers, their job is distribution and marketing primarily, right? So and and Bungie's job is to make the game, but in a in a digital space, 
well, distribution is, you know, the, you can set all that through through the first party of the console guys and, and through things like Steam or, or the Epic Game Store. You can go out and, yeah, you can, you can get your thing out there in people's hands. What you are missing in that arrangement then is the cash. It's the coffers of a publisher to market mm. your game, right? Because you're spending a lot of money to make that game. Uh, and that's the other thing, too. A lot of the time, publishers will help fund development of your game, you know? And so they will say, hey, we're going to foot the bill for you to develop yep. this thing. And then when it releases, we will get this percentage of the of the proceeds. You'll get this percentage, and we will pay to market this thing as well. Uh, right? and, and I remember I worked at, in publishing, and, like, I'm saying all you aspiring game developers out there, do you want to make the call to Kmart in 2019? Because somebody <laughs> has to do that. Well, so that's that's what's interesting here is, like, you know, a lot of people when the split happened, they're like, oh, yay, Bungie finally escapes from, you know, evil Activision or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but they're also walking away from those marketing budgets that they're, yeah, they're walking away from Super Bowl commercials. The other thing they're wa- walking away from is, you know, Activision as a publisher, they've been doing this a very long time. They know how to do physical distribution. And yes, I know physical is like less and less of a percentage each year of a total game sales. It's still a huge number yeah. that if Bungie's never done physical themselves, they have to go find a distribution well, partner. They have to find a manufacturing partner. They have done digital themselves. They used to be publishers. You might remember way back in yeah. the day. The marathon days. The marathon days, the myth days. The yeah. uh, but the, Okay, but those distributors are nowhere, into darkness days. nowhere near as big as you know the connections Activision That's has true. for, for physical true. distribution, sure. right? So there, there, are some, there are some ramifications there. My guess will be they might just go find another distribution partner when it comes to the physical stuff. We'll see who that, mm. how that shapes up and who that will be. Uh, but yeah, you can bet on the digital side at least. It's, it's all bungee running. And they had a lot of that structure in place. You know, they, they basically, they were running all their community stuff themselves. You know, they, I'm sure they have marketing folks at Bungie who are working with folks at Activision. So yeah, they, they can go off and kind of do a lot of this stuff. Um, but you know, what you're doing is you're putting more risk on yourself to deliver, you know, that that's the big difference too. And if they're getting investor money, uh, I was, I, I kind of follow a few analysts on Twitter, game industry analysts, and they're saying, Hey, investors have way different expectations than publishers do in terms of mm-hmm. how quickly you need to make a return and how much money, how much of that return they're going to take for themselves. Right. So they both seem to like this arrangement of walking away from each other, but don't think when you hear this, it's like, ha ha, Bungie's finally free and it's going to be all on easy street from here. It's like, no, well, they're I'm terrified for the future of destiny for real yeah. with themselves publishing. I think Destiny is a strong franchise. I think we've seen hints of, you know, Bungie with the last few Destiny updates, they really do seem to be leaning into like in-game and core players. And it's like, we know who our audience is now. We know what they want. And we're not going to necessarily go after like as broad an audience. Uh, And so maybe you'll just continue to see them do that, which then, you know, if you're not going after as broad a target, you don't need to spend as much marketing dollars. It's kind of like, you know, Kevin Smith used to always say about his movies is like, my movies never would make more than a certain amount, but we, we could always sort of guarantee they would make this amount, you know? And so it's like, yeah, they're not going to be these giant, massive, huge things, but it's going to be consistent and we, we know what we can count on. So maybe that's the strategy. I don't know. There's a lot of speculation. I don't think Activision would have gotten involved on the Kevin Smith uh, formula. <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it, it just, it, it scares the shitter to me because I don't, I, I, well, because I, as, like, like you, Matt, I love Destiny technically, even though the things you're talking about, Forsaken onwards? I don't know anything about that. Uh, I mean, Forsaken is very good. I, I still haven't dug into the latest DLC. Like, I might... Uh, I don't know. I'll get back into it eventually. I don't but... know, but but uh, nomadically, how how often do we move on from games? Like, yeah. maybe it's just because of our 
the nature of who we are in our jobs and our podcasting duties. We play a lot of games, but like, I don't know that I want to play a game for 10 years, even a really solid multiplayer one like Destiny. Uh, by the way, it was, I confirmed, it was NetEase they struck that deal with. So they got a $100 million investment from NetEase. So mm. don't worry too much about Bungie right now, because uh, that was in 2018. So as of last year, they, they have $100 million to to develop new things with or whatever. So they can they can ride that for a little while, and they'll be fine as a company. And Destiny, even if it's not going to sell as well as it was, you know, let's, you know, using Activision's marketing muscle, it's still... Destiny, and it still has like followers and a built-in install. Yeah, I, I still think there's people who don't know what Destiny really is because I think I do think, and I can't really prove this even in this conversation that working with Activision sort of hampered the product from the beginning for the first two years, mm. uh, essentially. Every time I, I like load up the Nintendo Entertainment System, it's like uh, thanks for the two eight-bit games every month, like. Why the drip feed? Whereas Destiny was immediately addictive and awesome, and you could see the potential in this going on for a really long time. And then they, I don't know, up until Forsaken, like they just get, they gave us this drip feed of content for a really long time, yeah. right? And they, and I, I'm, I'm through the, I'm through the looking glass. I don't care that much about loot. I know that's part of the game. Just replaying stuff to get loot so I can then maybe get to some end game. Excuse content. me, fat loots. Yeah, with a fat loots. Fat loots didn't, yeah, yeah. yeah. didn't want to imply the loots weren't fat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pH and a Z. Don't forget that Z. Yeah, That's what yeah, makes yeah. it sweet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the the E you spell it with a three. There's probably this an umlaut like, in there. It's weird for because this is a game I know a lot about and like I have no predictions here. I have no idea how this is yeah. going to go. Are their hands a little freer without Activision? I think so. That's the thing though. I'm anxious to see like. For a while there, every decision that the players were perceiving as a bad decision, they were automatically attributing it to Activision. So, like, when Destiny introduced microtransactions, they're like, oh, there's that Activision influence, you know? Mm -hmm. Was it? We'll we'll find out now. we will. You know? I don't know. Because I I, I just know that is a reality from AAA uh, live game support. Like, there has to be an in-game economy. Otherwise, you can't sell the same game for three years. That's why they release annual Call of Duties. This makes $60. If we're lucky, it'll make $120. We release a new one each year, whereas Destiny never did that. Yep. You can't sell the same game for three years, but if you're the Pinkertons, you can try to hold on to your copyright for over 100 years. Because in our next news item, the Pinkertons are suing Rockstar. I meant to contact (laughs) you guys about that. I made a Pinkerton joke before I knew they were in the new Red Dead game. It was a Deadwood reference, who, by the way, is not being sued. They were portrayed way worse. Uh, Number one, fuck the Pinkertons. Number two, (laughs) it's not actually the Pinkertons. It's a Swedish securities firm that bought the Pinkerton They own the rights to the Pinkertons? Yes, in 2003 they bought it. Is that like one of those mini Atari holding companies? So they're going to do like the Pinkerton speaker hat that comes out soon? So fucking... We talked about like someone buying THQ's name, but like when I think of violent union busting men of the old west i think sweden yeah well it's like <laughs> I, I feel like you like they're, they're like oh we love that rockstar is so invested in our brand but we need a licensing fee and rockstar is like no you the pinkertons have a historical uh significance and yeah you know yeah, rockstar's countersuing and that's yes. their argument they're like no you can't copyright this name this is like you know, you, you would yeah. theoretically have to get like a royalty every time that was brought up in history textbooks. And there have been a number of times that other games have used the Pinkertons. Uh, they were in Bioshock Infinite, for example. Booker was a former Pinkerton. 
they occupy a very complicated place in history because they they were started as like a detective agency and bodyguards and eventually grew to become like the Blackwater of their day where they were like a private army whose size rivaled the U.S. Army, which... Oh, right. This is all I want to talk about. Keep going. And and then they they were known widely for union busting practices. I do like the article. They just became hired muscle. The article refers to them as detective agency. That is not what I think of when I think Pinkerton. Like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I think of. But like, you know, they've been that at various points in time. I've never seen them in my life portrayed positively in any media. Mm. Yeah. And, And the only weird thing that I think Rockstar might lose this on just thinking about it, it is weird in Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2, Pinkertons are the only real thing they reference. Well, they don't re- – yeah, it's not real city names. It's San Denis instead of New Orleans. It's yeah. not real railroad yeah. names, and it's mm-hmm. not real post office names true. or cigar brands. But they did reference a real brand in the Pinkertons, yeah. I think, because somebody may not have done the research to – It just it, to me, it's odd that Rockstar did that. It seems mm-hmm. like they would have thought of a – Something like Blackwater, which I can't stop thinking about because Red Dead has a Blackwater. It does. I I think they have a valid argument, and this is actually a good use of a First Amendment argument. Uh, Their their quote here, take two, is putting it, Historical fiction, so television, movies, plays, books, games, they would suffer greatly if trademark claims like Pinkerton's could even possibly succeed. They can't use trademark law to to own the past, is Mm. what they're saying. Like It is a historical thing. Also, why did that Swedish company want to be associated with the Pinkerton brand when we really dissect <laughs> exactly. this? Like, why? No one was, no one was scared of us. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> your uh, Swedish? Come on, give me at least yeah, a Swedish, Swedish. Flurbiturbender with the Pinkerturns yep. and the Burgunders. Just pulling it out of my hang hole there. Uh, but, uh, you know what's funny? In Sweden, that character is known as the Norwegian chef. Ah, I, <laughs> damn it. I wish he was just known as the chef. I thought that was going to be a joke. Nope, He's just nope. known as the yes, chef. Yes, I'm a chef. <laughs> hey, try some of my meatballs. Yeah. I'm suddenly very articulate. I, come see me in Muppets 3D. <laughs> Played by James Mason in Euro Disney. Uh, <laughs> no one goes to this attraction anymore. I feel very badly overshadowed by the Muppet who likes paper towels and fish. (laughs) I too pray for the death of Bean the Bunny. (laughs) I adopted Pepe the Shrimp in my journey 20,000 leagues under the sea. Okay. Put the chicken in the basket. (laughs) I'm just doing King of Names now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you free associate too long. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please continue. No, I was trained back on track. Yeah. Well, like um, one of the things I learned when I worked at a publisher that like when you see a, a company do something you feel is shitty, like mm-hmm. go after a, a modder or a, a homebrew game maker for making a game with a new IP. Uh-huh. Part of that is because if you have learned that someone has infringed on your IP and you've done nothing, you can't just sue someone out of nowhere. Yeah. Because you have to show precedent that you protected yep. the IP, whereas this agency has not. Yeah. They didn't They didn't come after the first Red Dead. They never came after Deadwood, and the Pinkertons are a huge part of that fucking show. Yeah. Mm. They never came, I've never seen them come after anybody, and they're coming after Red Dead because it's the most successful inter- entertainment product, yeah. not adjusted yeah. for inflation, of all time. Right. And I think they're going to lose on that basis. Were, were the Pinkertons part of the first game? I remember like those yeah. guys just the being thing. the Bureau. 
Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know actually, because I thought some of the same people in the same uh, the same color of hat. Uh, I can't remember. It's yeah. been a while. Should have just called them the Stinkertons. Regardless, uh, I know who the Pinkertons are, and it's not from just one or two things. They've been right. in a lot of shit, and oh, they've yeah. never. None of those people have ever been sued. They were in Hard West, also. Hard West. <laughs> Hard West. Uh, speaking of companies and intellectual property, EA has canceled yet another Star Wars game. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah. Ugh. So this was a project uh, which uh, Kotaku is reporting was was codenamed Orca. Uh, it was very early in development. It would have involved playing as a scoundrel or a bounty hunter who could explore various open world planets and work with different factions across the Star Wars universe. This is the game. It originally started, well, not this exact game. So the assets, a lot of the stuff from this game started at Visceral with Amy Hennig when she was doing mm-hmm. like a Star Wars game. Right. When, the Uncharted Star Wars codename Ragtag or something? Ragtag, thank you. 1313 was When she that left. Different? No, that, no that, that's different. what's frustrating about yeah. all oh, this. Wow, okay. EA decided to throw away Star Wars 1313, the, the, the project LucasArts was developing before the Disney acquisition that looked really promising to a lot of people yeah. where he plays a bounty hunter. And also involving, yeah, a bounty hunter, uh, which this one allegedly did as well. So uh, when Hennig left, you know, Visceral got shuttered. They rebooted. They moved production of this up to Vancouver. Uh, eventually, that sort of the Vancouver production was also partially overseen uh, by Jade Raymond, formerly of Ubisoft, who that you know was with EA Motive at the time. Right, yeah. Uh, and so then it sort of became Jade's project. And then she left and Motive, you know, and then so it was like, okay, this is all owned by Vancouver. They're just doing dev, and then so yeah, now they are saying, okay, we're not, we're canceling this game, but EA has already said we're going to reuse a lot of the assets for this and ideas, and they will come in a future game. And the rumor has it uh, this game was wasn't anywhere close. Uh, so what they're going to do is they're trying to get a game to release in 2020. So it's going to be a smaller scale game, uh, you know, not maybe not open world, maybe not as big a concept, but something they need to get something on the shelves by 2020. And so a lot of the ideas, a lot of the art assets from this game will probably end up in some product that does hit shelves in 2020. Hmm. This is a, a weird thing I didn't see in any of the reporting, but was my takeaway. Uh, I think EA is going to lose money on the exclusive Star Wars deal. Like a lot of money. <sighs> well, do you remember how much they paid for that deal? I, I don't, but now I wish it went to a much smaller developer because what EA's doing is what EA always does. You just don't normally hear about it because yeah. it's not a Star Wars e- game. EA is a giant publisher. The games industry nowadays, development's so expensive. They they probably sort of have the luxury. They will cancel more projects than they release. You just they will cancel something they put like ten million dollars into. And and as much as that hurts and seems weird to all of us, that is kind of what they do. And you don't normally hear about what they've canceled. Yeah, because a good businessman doesn't like chase bad money with good money, right? So they're they're like, hey, it was ten ten million, but it could have been a hundred million, and still we don't think it. They have a a really strict green light process that that they have to follow, and so. That catches things like this. Uh, by the way, we should clarify, this in no way affects... So Jedi Fallen Order, that's the game from Respawn, uh, the Titanfall guys. Mm-hmm. That's still coming. It's still coming. And by the way, that game has an excellent, excellent PNG. Uh, really, really good. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I think that's the frustrating part of this is that it is... I think is it, it's six years into EA's decade-long exclusivity. Yeah. And I remember us talking, you know... And, young gamers who don't even care about football when EA snatched up the Madden license. And, well, rational articles were written about how this is not great for football. But even then, or not good for football games, 
locking up the NFL license. And, and, and as we remember, like a, like a bunch of franchises disappeared overnight and never came back as a result of EA doing that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and now they locked up the Star Wars license. And in six years, they've released two games. One people thought was too small and one people were infuriated by. The thing is, though, I think they might have already made their money back because I, I know at least one of those games... Mobile, sorry, yes. Oh no, but the, but the battle you're talking about Battlefront though, like yeah. Battlefront One was a huge seller, millions. You're of right, copies. and they don't they don't release sales numbers, so it's difficult to know how much that sold. And in Battlefront, both Battlefronts, I think, are pretty fucking great games. But it's also like, I yeah. think it's there. It's never been a better time for Star Wars media. The fucking cartoons are great. The yeah. movies are great. Shut up about Last Jedi. You're absolutely wrong. That's the best Star Wars movie released in my lifetime. This Empire wasn't out yet. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, I think we all thought, well, this means we're going to get an influx of Star Wars games, like maybe Dead Space or Mirror's Edge. And we, and EA kind of got tired of those franchises too. I think we were all thinking we, we get a bunch of single-player story-based Star Wars experiences uh, that continued this singular canon thing promised by Disney in the digital world, interactive world, and we never did. And I, I'm not the type to get mad at a publisher like EA because that's fucking, like, hack baby shit. But, um, yeah, where the fuck are Star Wars games, man? And if you wanted this license so bad, make something. I agree with you that I think part of the reason people keep saying like yeah what the hell why can't you release a game is there is so much other star wars media that gets released you know there's there's never been more star wars than there is right now in terms of tv shows movies stuff like that you know we grew up where there was always a new star wars game coming like lots there was plenty of star wars you know if you wanted a ship combat game you got those you know if you if you wanted you're right i think that's the thing we're ignoring here if you're as old as we are um star wars especially like pre-2000s like was kind of excellent in the field of gaming. Yeah, gaming was was the bright spot. You could always count on like there would be some kick ass Star Wars games and things like Rogue Squadron, right? All the, all, all these great yeah. games like Dark Forces, uh, even the Super Star Wars series. On they were not bad platformers. They don't hold up very well. Yeah, or how about X Wing, Tie Fighter? Like there's all kinds of kick ass Star Wars games. And then so yeah, now it do, it does. You're right. It's like wow, they haven't released that many. But the point I was trying to make, like everyone was complaining, like yeah, EA is mishandling the license. They're mistreating it. Okay, but what would you say if they just released these games that they didn't deem to be good enough? And then they just right. put out shitty Star Wars games. You'd be complaining a lot more that they're mishandling and mistreating that license if they were releasing crap games, right? Because, so in a way, they're sort of protecting the, that license. In, in the prequel era, we got a ton of terrible Star Wars yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> Forgettable and, Star Wars games. But I, I think I think there's some. there has to be something in the middle. Like, yes. can we not get like a small 10-hour, $40 Star Wars game from some company please right it's like when we we yell about how like the mar i think the marvel movies are never they're never going to be bigger than they are right now i think they've hit their apex and they never got a good game like released within any of that hype and that's really sad and that shouldn't happen with star wars yeah no it's true and 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 i think what the reason it feels like wow we're just missing so many star wars games is before they never had the exclusivity there were multiple publishers and developers working on a variety of Star Wars projects. And yeah. Shit. And so if, if one guy did a good game, yeah, you would have a couple bad games in there as well. Don't get us wrong. They weren't all good, but there was just so many Star Wars games in there. a pretty decent kart racing Star Wars game in there. Uh, sure. Super Bombad. Super Bombad Racing. Yeah, a lot of people like yeah. that game. But but like I think that's the frustrating part is that EA has sat on it and does their EA thing and like but you locked away Star Wars. 
right. the way George right. Lucas used to. Right. Well, it reminds me of, remember when there were rumors that EA was going to buy Rockstar and everybody was nervous because like they're going to make annual GTA games? Mm-hmm. Like, this seems like the opposite problem. Yeah. So, uh, dude, don't get me wrong. It's a bummer whenever we hit, because this concept sounded super kick-ass. It sounds great. Right. Open world Star Wars games, throwing a bounty hunter, like, yeah, sign me up. I'm there. But again... Would you rather have EA proceed and release a terrible game that everyone shit on? Well, and the, but you, you also, like, I'm not one in this contingent of the angry gamer with no information. Mm. Yes. But we want to assume that these people were developing single-player games that couldn't be monetized like EA wants to. Therefore, they were canceled. I, I, I'm, I would guess it's, like, 10% more complicated than that. But battle the, the Battlefront 2 loot box chicanery does lend some credence to that argument. Yeah. Which is an EA thing, not a Disney thing, because they were pretty upset by that. And again, I play Disney games on my mobile phone. Disney has no problem with loot boxes. In no. fact, they all might go to jail. What, what, uh, <laughs> this, this all right, like writes itself eventually. Right. What Disney had a problem with is the na- the narrative, the negative discourse around that game reach the masses like that normally that mm-hmm. stuff just kind of stays within gamers and game media and we we feel like it's everywhere because it's all the stuff it's all the blogs and all the websites yeah. we read that and did, all the that did become the most stuff. downvoted reddit post in history did it yeah. not it, probably but i think it did but normally that stuff stays within kind of our little circles and our communities and this i think every big press site was covering this thing like so this had hit kind of mainstream news and that's when you have Bob Iger picking up the phone and being like, what the hell are you doing? This is my brand. You know, we own Star Wars. Like, you, you know, why am I reading about this, you know, in, in the trades or what? I don't know. I don't know what was said on the phone. Right? I don't know. If, I don't know if a call actually happened. In variety. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's just that, like, I think what really happened here is that the Star Wars license was purchased uh, in a different era of games. And EA has decided to make focuses on live stuff. I think in one of those articles, they even like quote one of the developers and I've had to work with licensees before. And it's like, it's not easy if it's like, we want to make a lightsaber that's red colored. Well, is he left-handed? Maybe we put 40 hours of work in this. What are you talking about? And like, well, you can't be left-handed if you have a red lightsaber. That's not a real thing, but like it does impede game development to a massive degree when you need approval from people who don't immediately get back to you and aren't in the office. Uh, and especially big games. With, uh, with that have promised to do nothing but move canon forward, so it can be really difficult. Because remember, if, they, if all these games are supposed to adhere to canon, uh, if that Uncharted Star Wars game is taking six years to develop, the canon has shifted. Yep, like it's different. What do you, what do we do now? And we used to rely on the games to create canon and fill in that yeah. canon for us because that's all yeah, we, we had did. for years and years. Mm-hmm. It was games and books. That was you know, and, and there was comics and stuff like that. But the games. At least to me, those were the biggest. That was they like, were. They, no, you're right. Like the, yeah. the games filled in the gaps. For, I wasn't. Uh, uh, I don't know what you talk about when you say books, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I would fill in the gaps of the Star Wars universe with video games. Yep. Mm-hmm. Although the comics did give us Chewie dying by a moon falling on him. Yeah, and that's the moon fell on him. That's, that's a weird, weird way to die. <laughs> uh, you know, the last thing glorious. he said was. <laughs> It's funny, you heard that too, huh? You heard that same story yeah, I, I did. did. Uh, I, I did. It's just, this is all... Because, I, I, I don't know, we were talking about this earlier, and, like, um, you reading this, EA's the worst company of all time! I'm like, I don't know, like, you just don't play EA games, and I know people who work there, and people really like that company. Um, EA's not terrible to its employees. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, I believe no one got shit-canned over the result of this game being uh, canceled. 
Amazon is rumored to be uh, launching its own game streaming service. Uh, this is not the first time Amazon's tried to enter the game yeah. arena. Well, no, I mean, Amazon owns Twitch, don't they? They I, do. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. But is this is this streaming gameplay or streaming video games to consumers? No, this is streaming games to consumers. Ooh. But no, so they are they are launching a service theoretically to compete. I mean, Microsoft has the kind of, I think it's Xtreme is what it's called. Google has Project Stream that they're testing with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, mm. uh, which I think, by the way, you only have a few more days. If you play at least one hour of that, if you are in that beta, you you, you get the PC version for free or something. So if you're in that beta, mm. go ahead and do that because free PC game. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so this would be their answer to that. It makes total sense to me in that. So they already have the Twitch connection. So you can imagine how easy it is. Someone is, is streaming a game on Twitch and they're like, oh, and if you want to go play it, click here. And instead of like, here, buy this thing on Amazon, it's like, you can just start streaming that thing right now in in, a, in another tab, maybe. You can have your favorite Twitch streamers streaming over here. And now I'm playing it. To me, this is sort of like, I think streaming is one of the viable futures of games and, and maybe what the... I don't know if it will be the entire next generation. I still think we will have dedicated consoles and PCs and stuff mm-hmm. next generation. But I think I think streaming will be growing. Amazon, what a lot of people may, may not know is behind the scenes, a lot of your favorite games sort of have Amazon. They're running on Amazon cloud tech mm-hmm. and streaming tech and stuff like that. Like they, AWS, they are, baby. So it's our first yeah, couple podcasts. Yeah, Amazon Web Services. They they, they run a lot of cool shit in, in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they have all this out there. It makes sense. The question I have now is like, am I going to have to pay multiple subscription services to play yes. games? And probably I don't know, maybe. Yeah, we'll yeah it's it's getting pretty nuts. There was an article today of, about just video streaming and about like, I've been the kind of guy who like, ooh, a new streaming service. This looks fun. Yeah. And then you look at your bit like, this is my cable bill again. You used to cut, oh. yeah, you would cut the cord to save on money, and now you you've Shit. just added on all. Oh, because Netflix services. raising their prices. Yes, but two uh, bucks. Like, it's yeah, two bucks. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, it's, but, not, it's but, not like I'm not complaining that much because it's a good value, but like. Yeah. Uh, Seven dollars is different from seventeen dollars, and that's yes. what we're dealing with now. Yeah. Well, and and like, if you, you mentioned that, like, oh, you can be having uh, streamers open in one window and then stream the game in another window, and all I can think about is like, next will be you can control the streamers in the first window to Ooh, tear the flesh, to wear the flesh, <laughs> to gain access to new worlds to which the flesh is key. I want to watch Star Wars and control a guy who complains about Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In news that only Chris or I care about, Tokyo Disneyland, uh, one of the hotels there oh, oh. is getting Kingdom Hearts themed rooms. Get this, though, uh, the key to get in your room, it's a Keyblade. Of course it is! <laughs> and did you see the prices on like how much it costs? Uh, Holy too much? shit. Too much? Like 400 bucks a night, I think, or something like that. I, actually, for Disney Hotel, for that's stay. probably a bargain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in Japan, no less? Yeah. No, no, no. That is not a bargain at all. There's plenty of hotels there, man. Those It was there a little while ago. People, they, they, they have a little bit of a, a, a children issue. There is a lot of places to stay. Okay. Ah, yeah, uh, in Japan, in Tokyo in general, but like outside of Tokyo. It is the most fun I've had writing dumb jokes today. <laughs> um, that is for sure. Japan, uh, Japan, yes, is getting a Kingdom Hearts hotel room. Uh, I saw I, we, someone had posted on the Laser Time Facebook community, and I saw Mike Eaton said, uh, "Yes, hello, I'm staying on floor three fifty nine slash two. <laughs> <laughs> nice, well done, Mike. And, uh, 
Um, I said, I'd be happy to spend 24 hours there. Of course, I've been told I have to spend 80 hours there. And the hotel will also hide the door to the bathroom. And the only thing that plays on TV is 80 hours of incomprehensible uh, anime soap nice. Ooh, ooh, my turn, my turn. The waiting go, list go. to get a hotel room there is 10 years at least. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and then you have to jump from floor. It, it takes 12 years to get to floor three. <laughs> and I hate, to, I hate to point this out to people excited to stay in the Kingdom Hearts hotel room but the airport shuttle is a terrible gummy ship uh, that, takes, that takes forever. Oh, I don't know why, but this is like, it was so much fun to make fun of the Kingdom Hearts Hotel. And I I, I hope people don't think I hate Kingdom Hearts. I've, I've rarely been this excited for another game, but I, I've never loved and hated a series so much. I'm sure you have a series like that. Yeah, probably. That, mm-hmm. That's where I am with Kingdom Hearts. I know I have to play it, and I know I'm going to be miserable through like one at least one third of it. Wow. Sounds like a ringing endorsement. I, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Though. I'm trying to think of what my I think version I, of that I've, is. I've read at least five, like, here's a rundown of all the Kingdom Hearts games and which ones you need to play before three. And, yeah. And I just, I, I was kind of half expecting to see one that's like, should you watch it on YouTube? No. Should you play it on, should you play it? No. And just have that for all of them. That would have been funny. You should play one, two, Dream Drop Distance, yes, and that's what uh, I and Perth by Sleep. Mm-hmm. I think that's you can get away with that. Mm, yeah, I thought of my equivalent. That, that, that series is famous for never moving its story forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to people who are Kingdom Hearts fans. I am with you. I am one of you. But I am. I couldn't be more excited. But I'm. I'm also like. I don't know. It's like. It's like. It's like when you need like a good surgery. Like. <laughs> I'm not excited to go under the knife, but I would really like to get rid of this cancer. (laughs) That's what it feels like to look forward to Kingdom Hearts. Jesus. All right. Uh, That's all the news that is fit to play. Well, let's move on to the community segment, which as always is segmenting our community. Uh, Last week's question of the week, as you might remember, what's a long dead franchise you want to see make a comeback? Uh, first responder was on videogameapocalypse.com was Laser Time Rules who said a franchise that died that I'd like to see make a comeback is The Getaway. I love the PS2 games and highly anticipated the third one for the PS3. I actually preferred the more story-driven slash linearity of The Getaway over GTA at the time and was curious to see where they'd take the series next. Plus, driving through London was so much fun. I can only imagine how a revived game can look and feel on the PS4. It has a lot of potential. That's fascinating. I I, I don't think the name has a lot of key, cachet, but that was not that was not a good that was not a bad game. I think we all thought yeah. it was going to be GTA, and that it yeah. wasn't was yeah. this huge black mark against it. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad like crime game. There was just so many of those at the time. You know, like I Driver guess, yeah. tried to do the same thing even for yeah. a little bit there, and so many had the selling point of like, look how much better this looks than GTA, and right. it's like, yeah doesn't play better. Guess you could say that franchise really got away from you, huh? Uh, oh my well, god. Well, I thought, oh my god. I thought the first one was really good. I thought the sequel, Black Monday, was really bad. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd be interested in going back to reevaluate it because I haven't played it since it was new. Everyone knows it's Cyber Monday. It's Black Friday, uh-huh. Cyber Monday, Michael. Yeah, mostly I just remember so Black Monday, you're playing as like a boxer who alternates the, the protagonist role with like a teenage girl who has to do like insta fail sneaking missions and fought a lot of eastern europeans and called him slobberdan a lot <laughs> oh. slobberdan 
Uh, Handsome Ralph says, I would absolutely love it if Nintendo brought back Advance Wars. Hell yeah! It's much more enjoyable series for me than Fire Emblem ever was. It's a huge shame Nintendo hasn't bothered to either bring the older games to the 3DS or release a true sequel. One can hope that maybe the Switch will see some kind of release or re-release. Also ironic that this is my answer, as it seems like 90% of last week's episode had Advance Wars music playing in the background. <laughs> Did it? That was actually on our shortlist, but then I realized, like, if we're being honest, Advance Wars was never huge. Nah. It was it was it really popular. To me, Michael. Yeah. It's like the only tactics game I like. I really like Advance Wars. Is Days of Ruin the last one? Yes. Wow. It just seems like that's, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot of, Nintendo kind of shits out, I don't want to, again, I'm going to piss people off, shits out Kirby games and new Super Mario Brothers games, like you can't make another Advance Wars game, for real? I mean, they kind of had that thing, what was the thing called that had like Abraham Lincoln in it, and it was like their spiritual right. successor? Um, Project Steam. Thank you, yes, that was supposed to be a spiritual su- successor to Advance Wars, but mm-hmm. wasn't that well regarded no. when it came out. It also didn't feel like a spiritual successor at all. Blackie the Cow says, uh, since Maddie already covered SSX, I'll go for another uh, forgotten snowboarding game, Snowboard Kids. I spent countless hours playing the second game on N64 when I was a kid. It had a quirky cast of characters, as well as Mario Kart-style races with rockets and bombs, etc., and uh, trick events. The best worst event was the newspaper route, uh, which was a time, a time attack-esque mode requiring precision aim for those getting those newspapers in the mailboxes. And top-notch boarding, shredding, whatever. It sounds a lot like Paperboy. I was just about to say. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. It was fun and a soul-crushingly difficult game at times. Anyway, it was easily one of my favorite game series during the N64 era. Uh, Franchise revival was attempted on the original Nintendo DS in the mid-2000s, but the game was a dumpster fire. (laughs) I think a new game could do well if released on the Switch, but it's been so long at this point uh, that that seems like a pipe dream. I would absolutely love a new SSX or F-Zero game, though. SSX 3 was my jam. Uh, Cometer Phazon Masher also immediately followed up with the 1080 snowboarding series. So there is some love for snowboarding. There's some love for like a uh, man, what 1998 through 2001 snowboarding games. Yeah, I just <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that back to back we had comments about uh, snowboard kids and then 1080. So yeah, apparently I'm well, not the I, only one who I, wants. I did, I did games sort of want to point that out that like um, when the Nintendo Wii was like this breakout hit, we got a lot of returns to franchise franchises that we never thought we'd see again uh knights yeah. i could think of more if you give me time but whatever um it's like the last fucking castlevania game with a richter in it uh is on judgment but like there no more heroes coming exclusively to switch seems like it's it's never been a better time to resurrect obscure ips yeah absolutely. someone did the research and like apparently it's a good ecosystem for those things to thrive so i don't know if anybody out there makes games that japanese companies consider it please yeah uh, well, on the official Laser Time Facebook community, Jason Cromer says, F-Zero. Nintendo mostly re-releases the original, but it isn't even close to my favorite. The N64 and GameCube ones felt like roller coasters and had kind of trippy visuals, and I want more of that, please. It's a pretty fucking excellent <laughs> description of the <laughs> yeah. F-Zero yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, true. Uh, Patrick McClafferty says, Sam and Max don't know who holds the rights other than the original comic artist now that Telltale's gone, but I would love a new game in either the old school style or even Telltale's episodic release. Hmm. Not gonna uh, happen. Steven Bon, uh, bon- Bonatti's says sure. Armored Core. He wants a four answer why there hasn't been another one in a while. <laughs> um, I got it. V- Verdict Day was one of, was the last one from the, uh, from 
from software, the Dark Souls people, decided to become the company that churns out Souls games, and it's a real shame. Uh, I remember Tips and Tricks had a whole section devoted to people saying Nexus, playing Nexus and sharing their builds. The constant hints at the new projects have me holding out hope, and I guess uh, Damon X Machina will scratch that itch when it comes out, too. I just read a word I've never read before. Damon X Machina? Matt Damon X Machina. Yes. Matt Damon. Uh, yes. Ooh, I love what Matt Schultz says, though. Uh, give me a bloody roar game, please. But with Konami being Konami, and Konami is the worst, it's not going to happen. Those were some really tight fighting games and just the right amount of fan service uh, to not feel ultra skeevy. Plus, Anthro Animal uh, fighting game, I feel would sell really well now. Edit. Um, also, I'd like to throw in a suggestion for NFL Blitz. Yeah, I'll go. I'm along with NFL Blitz. Sure. Yeah. What about NHL Hits? What is that? Like a Jock Jams album? <laughs> what about it? Don't be crazy, Michael. You're Jesus, right. you're right. I'm asking <laughs> for the nuts. Uh, hey, who's this guy? This guy, Chris Baker, says. Hey, uh, hey. Despite being a new release for Switch on January 17th. Dragon's Lair gets my vote for full-scale revival. The series has never had an actual good game, per se, but the world and art style are so undeniably charming. I've always felt that there has to be something there other than re-releasing the original games on every gaming platform in existence. Yeah, I think a coffee machine can play Dragon's Lair at this point. Yeah. Uh, the heart was there in Dragon's Lair 3D for Xbox, the first ever game in 1080i HD! Exclamation mark. Uh, but it just needed a more experienced dev team. I actually think a fully 3D version of the original game in VR could be pretty great. Agreed. Dude. Just imagine swiping your sword with the Lizard King in your face or dodging waves of electricity as you take on the checkerboard knight, all with a Don Bluthian. Is that even it? That's a great adjective. Sure. It should be. Don mm-hmm. Bluthian animated aesthetic surrounding your every move. In the meantime, I guess I'll have to settle for the Dragon's Lair Easter egg. I snuck into Operencia, the Stolen Sun, which everyone should totally check out at zenstudios.com right now. Masterful nice, plug, Seabake. Nice. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Edit that out. You don't get anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say after playing Dragon Ball Fighters, I'm convinced that they could you could do a 3D game that looks like a 2D cartoon now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, but we never posted that. Did we talk about that news story that that game was pulled from uh, events? Or at least from streaming. Fighters? Fighters? Yeah, like the, the, some licensing involved. This happens with like um, eSport games that uh, sometimes you need to acquire mass streaming rights if you're a big a big fighting game venue. And yeah, I thought I read that like um, Dragon Ball Z Fighters is having a problem appearing at tournaments because of its streaming legality. I remember now. We totally talked about it in our eSports segment that doesn't exist because we don't give a shit about eSports. <laughs> hey! That's right. That's where that went. Uh, Mike Miley says, The one series I would love to see come back is the old Star Wars space combat sims like X-Wing and TIE Fighter. They're such great games, but suffer heavily from early 90s combat sim. Uh, Have design where if you spend an hour on a mission and you fail, that was one wasted hour. Mm -hmm. So getting a new one of those with modern graphics would be amazing. I would also accept a new Rogue Squadron game. Give me a Star Wars game where I can pilot some ships around. Not gonna uh, argue. Have you have you heard of Battlefront? <laughs> Battle no, Battlefront Two. Ah yes. Yeah. You can't do that in the first one. I don't Even think. the new first one. In the new first one. Yeah. No, I, well, if if you can, it's not as refined as two. Two, it's kind of amazing. I think you yeah. can. It it works a lot differently in two. It was like 
I, wasn't it just a power up in Battlefront, the new Battlefront one, where it was it was just it wasn't like you you know in Battlefield games you walk up to the mm-hmm. thing you want to pilot and you hop in and you go. Yeah, yeah. I think the first one was like a power up, and the second one might have been the more traditional. But I don't know. Hmm. Sorry, didn't didn't spend a lot of time with either game. Well, I want to read uh, Jess Purdy, who says, Sui Coden, Sui Coden, Sui Coden. The series has had its stumbles. The PS2 collection varies wildly in quality, though 5 was excellent, but its final fate under Konami was just fucking sad, with the Tear Christ games throwing away the franchise's main selling point, a huge interconnected world, and making it just another generic JRPG. A PS4 game returning to the old nations would be so incredible. Yeah. Man, this is all like uh, like all weird book ending for this VGA. Jesus, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's almost like I did that on purpose when I chose these answers. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, new question of the week, uh, which we we're not going to have a community segment in episode three hundred, but we will get to these answers in two weeks in episode three hundred and one, uh, when we will also have uh, a new Resident Evil and a new Kingdom Hearts to play around with. So, with that in mind. Which series do you like best, Resident Evil or Kingdom Hearts? And what is your favorite memory from your favorite? Really, we're just opening this up to like, okay, what's your favorite Kingdom Hearts memory? Oh, you don't like Kingdom Hearts? What's your favorite Resident Evil? Whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, I absolutely loved playing through Resident Evil 2. And I remember the moment at which it became not scary at all where where I realized like oh I haven't been scared by this in some time and it was fighting the naked zombies on the train platform waiting for that train to come in so you can escape Raccoon City before the nuclear bomb goes off and the only source of tension there was in that ticking timer and not in the stupid ass zombies that I was blowing away like crazy man it, this is difficult but um in playing Kingdom Hearts 2 in, in, in a time before like uh game media being primarily on the internet Mm -hmm. you didn't really know all the worlds that were going to be in there unless you read every article that's ever existed and i think did egm do one of their like four cover things for kingdom hearts 2 probably i think being a big animation fan and a big disney dork kingdom hearts 2 including a steamboat willie and tron level like that's the kind of thing like that sort of bums me out when i look at kingdom hearts now it's nice that they've updated the games with things you know, younger people like, and that's important to do, but like, dude, like, can you remember when Disney was a small enough company where you could have like a a six hour journey through Tron? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The original Tron, like that happened. And the the outfits are like the design of those levels are fucking beautiful. And so is the Steamboat Willie levels. I don't know that, that to me says it's one of the most important things those series can do for me, which is to celebrate, uh, all of this animation in one place, even if like all these characters can't technically interact with one another, only Sora, Donald, and Goofy are allowed to enter these worlds. Mm-hmm. The worlds usually can't leave or uh, hang. You don't see Hercules hanging around with Tron. No, that doesn't. Happen. Although do, I have a weird uh, recollection in my head of seeing like Pegleg Pete wearing Tron armor. Is that that's from Epic Mickey? Oh, okay. You fight him on top of Space Mountain, and I just came. <laughs> <laughs> and just came. That happened. Oh, man. Um, Resident Evil 7. They had that VR, the kitchen demo, Mm -hmm. they called it. And this was one of my first experiences with VR. I'd done a few on Oculus or whatever, but this was on PS4, uh, PSVR. So I'm I'm at work, 
and I'm trying this out and I sit down and I'm in a room by myself and I put that on and it was one of the few times like a video game has scared me to the point where I had to rip the headset off myself and nope the fuck out of the room because I was way too scared because it was just fucking with me. Like it, it that that kitchen demo messes with you where it has the girl like your your wife. Uh, mm-hmm. She comes up, puts her her hands like in front of your eyes at one point, and you can just hear her behind you, and you never know what she's gonna do. At one point, uh, she st- and this is a demo, so I'm sorry, I'm spoiling a demo. She stabs your leg, and you you for that split second before you realize I'm fine, I'm not in pain or whatever. You're like ah don't do that and i just i was like nope no thanks i'm out see ya and so only resident evil can kind of do that like i i played all of resident evil 7 just sort of scared and like Mm. what's going to be around this corner and having that feeling of unease partially because of that vr demo like it's like yeah this they are not afraid to fuck with me in this game at all Uh, it doesn't it doesn't help that you know toward the beginning of that game some dude jumps through a wall to come after you in like the first level of, of, of Resident Evil oh, yeah. 7. It's so, terrifying. Yeah, I um I don't think all Resident Evil games are scary. I but yeah, at times they have definitely look, I had my my the dog jumping through the window startling me moment. Uh has happened a few times with Resident Evil games and it's very rare that any game series has done that. But I'm a wuss. I hate horror stuff and mm-hmm. so uh yeah, I'd have to go Resident Evil. Nice. All right. So What's your favorite? Kingdom Hearts, Resident Evil, and what's your favorite memory from that favorite? Let us know. Go to VidjaGameApocalypse.com. Answer in the comments under episode 299. Or go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. Answer there. There'll be a thread, probably. Or just hit us up on Twitter at VGApocalypse. And sound off. Let us know your answers. So that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Uh, Chris, tell them uh, how to support us. Uh, Patreon.com slash laser time is how you can keep supporting us. We got a really fun uh, episode just for our patrons coming out this week where we talk about uh, um, politically incorrect comedians. Hmm. And um, the first in a first ever, we have to retract a story told in this week's laser time. What? Okay, so this is complicated. This week's laser time is about how to ban a film or ban films or films we all thought were banned and why they're not or fans films that are actually really banned across the globe. I, I think the spoiler there is that America doesn't have a wing of government that bans films. Right, it has right. movie theaters that ban films. It has an MPA rating that essentially will get you like deem you unscreenable mm-hmm. uh, in most theaters, but like there is no banning. Right. Uh, it, it lets the market decide in a lot of cases. It's like, yeah, no one will go see this thing or pay for this thing, and so it just kind of gets buried. Mm-hmm. It does, and that that is like it's like really fair sometimes, but then like, you know, like a Michael Moore movie, whether you like him or not, like can like that that started a new distribution company because like Miramax decided we don't want trouble with the Bush administration. That's a weird thing to get into. But uh, we were talking about a local thing that happened in my hometown of Tallahassee, Florida, involving the movie I Spit on Your Grave and a teacher screening that for uh, 11th grade uh, students, some of them female, not knowing what they were about to watch. And I told the story as it's been told by Urban Legend, and then like uh, on bonus time this week, which you can only hear by being a patron, we have a member of that classroom who was there when it happened. Holy shit. Talk about how it happened. And I was... I get like I have never been like fact checked that wrong, <laughs> but it did happen. It definitely happened, and it was like it was national news. The teacher got fired. I'm, I'm assuming, right? 
Uh, that's the great thing she said. Like the teacher, this happened in first period. He was gone by third period. Oh, wow. shit. Was he like, having a nervous breakdown fast. or something? Why would he do that? You'll have to listen to bonus time. Oh, I guess so. Oh, oh, like, I was absolutely wrong about why he did that. Um, but yeah, yeah, a very, very naughty movie that has been banned and I think is only called I Spit in Your Grave because like it can't be released under its original title due to like weird. Uh, studio switches. Hmm. I don't remember what the original title is. It's not a film worth seeing, but like no. in a much smaller world, it was pretty notorious, and most film nerds had heard about it. Yep, and that's that's sort of what we're talking about this week on on Laser Time. And if you're in in, in the local area, uh, my guest is Cap City Videos, um, uh, Kevin Cole, and there is a GoFundMe because Cap City's got to move, baby, and they don't know where they're going yet. Uh, so if you yeah, if you like local cinema, want to support cool shit. Uh, check that out on GoFundMe or follow Cap City on Facebook. And uh, 302010 this week, super fun. Uh, make sure to check that out. Co hosted by Mr. Wait, Mrs. Michael Rapara as Diana Griffin. Nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, supporting us on Patreon is obviously, we'd love it if you can do that. If not, you know, one of the best ways to support us is just telling your friends about us. You know, get yeah, the word absolutely. out. Like, tell people, like, hey, I listen to this kick-ass show about video games that comes out every Friday. Go subscribe on iTunes. Check it out. You can also write reviews. That helps us more than you'd think. You know, give us five-star reviews. Only write reviews if they're good, though. Fuck yes, you. If you don't absolutely. like us, just don't write anything. Yeah. If All you don't that- like us, why are you listening this long? <laughs> oh, I think I think those people listen more often. <laughs> uh, but no, if, you know. I, I meant to this segment. Ah, I yeah. see. I see. Yes. Yeah, just just tell a friend, basically. You know, spread the word. That is kind of the only way we can grow our listenership is we need people like you to get the word out and tell people, like, I love this thing. You might love it, too. You like video games. Come listen to some industry dudes talk about video games. Why not? Absolutely. I don't believe you're going to do it, so prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah. get that prove Chris wrong, yeah. 2019. And then hop on over to Twitter and follow us at VG Apocalypse, and then follow me at Maddie C. Allen. Yeah. And follow me at Wikiparas, or follow the show, yes, you already said it, at VG Apocalypse. <laughs> I'm just going to reiterate, at VG Apocalypse, follow that shit. We sometimes post interesting stuff, other than links to the show. Uh, anyway, that's been this week's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. That was well. Laugh so hard, I see. You made Chris explode. <laughs> I did. Oh, sorry. <laughs>